All right. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Fernando Tatis Jr. Shit, no, I'm Corwin Heller. And uh, we're bringing you a pretty different one. Uh, So we're recording this on opening day, um, April 1st, 2021. The Yankees are going to be playing the Blue Jays. I'm all dressed up to uh, go nowhere in my Yankees gear. Uh, Corwin's wearing his Tatis shit as the Padres have their game at four. Um, And what we're going to be doing today, we weren't really fully sure which is why we didn't promote this too much, how exactly we were going to run it, because um, we were debating um, the actual logistics and planning of it. But we're going to call the game today, um, which is something I think everyone who likes sports must envision themselves doing at some point, whether you're the play-by-play guy, like doing the calls in a very play-by-play voice or whatever, or whether you're a more analytical person who likes to imagine what you would say contribution wise. Um, I think that it's on every sports fan's mind, you know, how you would react if you were in a booth. And so today that's what we're going to be doing. Gordon and I are going to take turns calling innings right now. The Yankees are running out of the field. Um, So we're going to get started in a second. I'm going to start with the first inning doing play by play with Corwin calling color commentary. And then we're just going to switch on and off. And, uh, see how this goes and if this goes well this might become a thing that we do more throughout the season bring in other people do live streams shit like that so you know buckle up this is gonna be a fucking this will, this will by far be our longest episode <laughs> corwin you are muted corwin i do not hear you i did it because we were trying to still figure out the TV and I didn't want anyone overhearing, you know, all of our cursing. Uh, but if you think I am fucking up words during a one hour discussion that we prepare for three and a half hour off the cup baseball prod, pod, podcast, this is going to be a world of hurt. Yeah. So right now the Blue Jays are about to step in to uh, bat. Let's actually go over the Yankees starting pitcher before we get into it. That is our good friend, Garrett Cole. Uh, so let's take a peek at what Garrett Cole did last season. We're going to treat this like it's an actual broadcast. Um, so I've got, we've got a bunch of stats pages up. We're going to try to you know, approach this as, <laughs> relatively speaking, as professionally as we can. Uh, so last season, <clears throat> Garrett Cole's first year in pinstripes in the shortened season, uh, he started 12 games, went 7-3, and three, two complete games, one of which was a shutout, through 73 innings. Um, he had 94 strikeouts an ERA plus of 149, which again, our plus stats are against league average with 100 being league average. So Garrett Cole was 49% better in ERA than he was, um, than league average. He had a 3.89 FIP, a 0.959 whip. And, uh, right now he's squatting and getting ready to get started against this Toronto Blue Jays lineup. So let's look at the Blue Jays lineup. Uh, Leading off here, Marcus Semien will be uh, playing second, followed by Kevin Biggio at third, Bo Bichette batting third, playing shortstop, Teoscar Hernandez uh, in right field, batting fourth, batting fifth, Vlad Guerrero at first, sixth, Lourdes Goriel Jr. in left, Rowdy Tellez will be the DH, Randall Grichik in center field, and Danny Jensen catching, batting ninth as... 
Uh, Semyon hits a weak ground ball to Gleyber Torres, throws to Jay Bruce playing first. That is uh, That was the second pitch as we missed the first pitch, going a little bit slow. <laughs> but two pitches, one out. We're rocking and rolling here in the Bronx. Um, how the confident he's played in Manhattan? <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking of our our, our good uh, New York Giants, um, the Yankees' crosstown rival. That now, unbeknownst to many, nowadays play in San Francisco. Relatively recent um, move as of 1956. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I right. just want to get this out of the way now. I am going to have to leave to swap out my laptop at some point because this is just unreal. This camera. I just am. It is a nightmare and I hate it. That's okay, buddy. So, uh, Kevin Bishop steps into the plate. Lefty bat against the righty Garrett Cole. First ball, first pitch, Jesus, was a, was a called strike uh, right around the heart of the plate at 96.6 miles per hour. Second pitch, we had a knuckle curveball in there at 82, which was a called ball. Third pitch came in as a foul on a changeup, and we just saw um, – Oh, I'm sorry. That was the right pitch. God damn. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm behind now. Oh my God. This is so much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, Garrett Cole, former Pittsburgh pirate. Fuck that guy. No, and you know we got a fastball high and the oh, uh, third base ump says Biggio went around. So that is Garrett Cole's first strikeout of the season. As uh, Bo Bichette comes into steps, comes and steps up to the plate. Holy shit. I'll Sorry. tell you what, we are not synced up. I told you we wouldn't be. Yeah. We are, Corbin and I are watching this on two different streaming services and then trying to commute or commute, um, uh, have this conversation over another like live streaming service. So we're all over the place. Uh, just like takes, the pros do it. Just like the pros do it. Vizio takes a call, strike one. And second pitch comes in a little bit, little bit off the plate, but it gets called strike two anyway. Just <laughs> um, a bit outside. Just about outside, but called for a strike. So if you want to talk about the framing of Gary Sanchez, I, you can call that an improvement right there on the like seventh pitch of the season. I'm uh, uh, I'm gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna guess a pitch low outside. Uh, nice slider. Ooh, nice four seam fastball in the dirt. <laughs> No, it was a slider. All right. We've got a one-two count here on Bichette. Entire Yankee Stadium is standing already. Ooh, high and tight. Four-seamer, 97, up and in. Uh, it's tough to tell if the Yankees fans are standing from either the excitement of being back in the stadium, uh, the second strike with two outs, which is Yankee Stadium tradition, or because it's fucking cold. Uh <laughs> We have another slider thrown low and away, taken for ball three, full count on Bichette. Man, color commentary. How do you do it? You're supposed to just talk for three and a half hours? Are you kidding me? Yeah, by having meaningful things to say. And what makes pitch, you think I have meaningful things to say? Hit off the... Uh, Inside of the bat, dribbled over to the second, uh, gone from uh, fucking DJ, DJ to Jay Bruce, third out of the game. So all in all, um, Garrett Cole tossed, uh, faced three batters, got them all out, one strikeout, and uh, did so in 12 pitches. So a re very efficient uh, 
early on in the game speaks well to his um, arsenal speaks well to his, his usage so far. And so it'd be, it'd be cool to see Garrett Cole get at least seven deep in the, the first start of the season, but with how cold it is in New York and it being early in the year, who's to say. Seeing as we are now about like a dozen pitches into a season, are you concerned about his control that he's shown early on in the season so far? No, I hope he hits more people. Honestly, I agree. I just want straight up Bean Fest. Bean Fest, you Bean Town USA, baby. All right, I'm going to give myself more time. So right now we're in a commercial break on the TV, but I'm going to I'm going to give myself more time uh, by going through the Yankees starting lineup right now before they come up to play as uh, after the commercial break ends. So batting first and playing second, we have the machine DJ LeMahieu finished second place in MVP voting just last season. Uh, behind him, we have Aaron Judge batting second, playing right. Aaron Hicks batting third, playing center. Batting fourth, we have Giancarlo Stanton, who will be the DH today and in all likelihood the vast majority of the season as the Yankees for once seem to have uh, actual starting outfielders that they can trot out every day. Glaber Torres will be batting fifth, which is wild um, that someone as just sheer talented as Glaber Torres is batting fifth, uh, playing shortstop. Playing third base and batting sixth, we have Gio Rochella. Catching and batting seventh is Gary Sanchez. Jay Bruce makes the starting opening day roster with the injury to Luke Voigt, so he'll be playing first base and batting eighth. And Clint Frazier uh, will be batting ninth starting today in left field, which is uh, the first year in quite some time Brett Gardner will not have that honor. And Hunjin Roo. I'm surprised they actually the have him at nine. Uh, yeah, it's, you see this in the national league a lot with, which is like, do you, do you bat the, the, the pitcher eighth or do you bat the pitcher ninth? Some managers opt for the weakest hitter at eight so that, um, the nine to one transition isn't so bad. So you have a slight chance of the top of your lineup batting with somebody on, I would imagine that's the reason, um, the difference in plate appearances over the course of the season from eighth to ninth in the batting order is, a lot more minimal than if it was even just first to second because of how deep you are into the into the lineup there. Oh shit, pitches. <laughs> God, it is it is a lot harder to keep on top of this than I thought it was. Shout outs to Michael K. You make this shit look very easy. So Hunjin Root, first pitch is a called strike on an 87 mile an hour forcing fastball. Second pitch was a uh, uh, outside low and away uh, cutter. And then his third pitch, he just got a swinging strike off of LeMahieu. LeMahieu's first swing of the season, no contact for strike two. It's a one-two count for LeMahieu. Let's see. Rue looks in. LeMahieu's bat is up. Here's the windup and the pitch swung through, hit right to the first baseman, Vlad Guerrero, as he uh, walks it over himself to get the first out. That is one out, and that brings uh, Aaron Judge up to bat uh corwin let's take a look at hunjin rue and his season last year uh as which was his first season in toronto so we have a couple both starting pitchers this um in this game are sophomore starters for their respective teams um hunjin rue 12 games last season five and two record 
pitched 67 innings, got 72 strikeouts, and had an ERA plus of 162, so 62 points better than average, as he pumps in his first pitch for a ball, forcing fastball low. What do you expect from him this season? Do you expect uh, reclamation? Do you expect a 2019 repeat when he was with the Dodgers with a lead LB leading ERA? Or are you expecting the rest of the pitching staff kind of alter him to have a, a little bit too much pressure on him and and things to falter in Toronto? And a swinging strike from Judge low in the zone, followed by a take outside for ball two. Um you know, I think the story of, of Hunjin Rue is not unlike the story of maybe Masahiro Tanaka, which is he's a great pitcher if he stays healthy. Now, Masahiro happened to never get hurt. There was always conversation every season about his UCL as Rue pitches inside and fouled away by a judge on the ground. Um, but there was always the talk of, you know, if he stays healthy, he's got the stuff to be, you know, your number one, number two pitcher. That's the same story with Hunjin Rue, except he actually does have the injury history. So if he stays healthy, you know, is he going to get a sub two ERA? You're never going to predict a sub two ERA with any seriousness. It's, it involves so much luck in addition to talent, um, which the talent is certainly there for Rue. Um, I think he's going to perform to his talent level. I think he'll be he'll be able to anchor down our first uh, or the the Blue Jays first rotation spot very well the real question mark is just everything that comes after him um as judge takes a ball and gets into himself into a three two count what about you what do you think for Rue this season you know I think it's going to be one of those seasons where he shows those flashes of of who he was you know his final year with the Dodgers he's going to have some pretty spectacular outings I just don't think he's going to be able to consistently keep it up the way he did that year um I mean we saw such a truly spectacular you know front half of the season before the all-star break second half of the season kind of faltered a bit um you know fell back and regressed back to the mean i expect a, a little bit more uh up and down from him this year uh, in that regard <clears throat> his his stuff is very effective he does not throw hard you know his his fastballs uh, as judged by the way struck out swinging um and looked very late to that pitch, which again was not fast, but you know, his fastball sits 90, 91, maybe 92. It's, it's not, it's not a hard fastball. He's a very crafty lefty. Do you think the change to judge's teeth and the effect on his smile has affected how well he can see pitches? I think it affects his wind resistance while running. <laughs> mm, so we're going to see a chance for him to trip himself up on the base path, really fall and uh, cause some more injury and uh, miss more time. I think it'll just make him slower on the base paths. Uh, Aaron Hicks takes ball one, swings right through strike two. Strike two that he just swung through uh, was a high 89 mile an hour forcing fastball. Again, this is not, it's not Jacob DeGrom 98 stuff. It is, it is a lot softer. But it is it is it is deceptive. Rue hides the ball well. He gets good movement, and he is him and and uh, Jansen, his the other half of his battery, choose their pitches very well. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, he's shown some excellent uh, control, some excellent excellent command, really painting the edges here uh, in this game so far. As he just gets a strike call at the bottom of the zone, Hicks uh, is even in the count, two and two, two outs, nobody on. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, you see it and you see it in the swinging stuff. If we go back to the first uh, two batters that Rue faced, we see in DJ LeMahieu, he got uh, one called strike and one swinging strike. And then it, with Judge, he got two more swinging strikes and then one more here with Hicks. So that's, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm right. So that is uh, four swinging strikes right there. Oh, and he just struck out Hicks swinging. So that's five swing, swinging strikes in the first three batters. I mean, that's, of all the, the strikeout type of stats, that one is one of the most important. You know, you didn't, it's not you getting favors on the call. It's, it's not the batter guessing wrong. Maybe, oh, sometimes it is, you know. Uh, but part of what goes into guessing wrong and part of what goes into the swinging strike is that they were wrong. And that comes down to your deceptiveness, your craftiness, and your movement. Stuff that's really hard to varying degrees to get a full measurement of as to how it affects your pitching game. Yeah, swinging strikes plus whiffs. That's uh, Honestly, I'm forgetting the uh, consolidated name for that stat right now. Uh, but it definitely was something that was developed by PitcherList, I believe, last season and, and instantly took over as one of my favorite uh, – Favorite little statistics to keep an eye out for. Uh, that being said, we are now into our first commercial break. I'm actually going to immediately run out and try and swap out these laptops so I don't have to see these goddamn flashing green uh, bars all over my screen for the next three and a half hours. All right. <laughs> well, while Corbin's doing that, uh, let's get a little bit more into uh Garrett Cole this season as the Yankees come back up sorry, sorry, as the Blue Jays come back up to bat here as we head into the top of the second. Uh, so let's take a look at our good friend Garrett Cole. All right. So last season was his age 29 season currently in his age 30 season second year of a big old uh, uh contract with the Yankees oh shit you know what I don't actually don't have oh and Corwin just left hold on let me see all right I'm going to guess Gary Cole's contract and I think it was nine years 324 million dollars oh yes oh god I love it okay uh second year of his nine year 324 million dollars which uh AAV wise has already seemed to be getting blown out the water like every other day as Trevor Bauer signed his high AAV contract and then followed up by Francisco Lindor's high AAV contract that Corn and I will talk about when he returns as Garrett Cole delivers the first pitch to Teoscar Hernandez here in the top of the second. Um, we have a uh, breaking ball away, swinging strike, followed by a fastball or a slider that was definitely in the zone but did not get called as a strike. Uh, God, who is our... Who is our ump today? Man, he is he's not doing so hot back there. That's no good. Uh Garrett Cole follows it up with another slide. This time loaned away. Teoscar Hernandez does not bite. It's a 2-1 count. Uh Garrett Cole last season, as I was saying, he had a K per K per nine, strikeouts per nine of 11.59. So if he had pitched a, a complete game every time he went out, he would get just between 11 and 12 strikeouts, which is pretty nice as he gets a, a sword, swinging sword strike 
on Teoscar Hernandez, which is basically for anyone who is unaware of the reference, it's a pitching ninja, pitching ninja reference describing basically the weakest swing you could possibly deliver. Um, two, two pitch swung on and ground ball to Glaber who boots it on the slide. Just couldn't come up with it. Dribbles into left field for Frazier who picks it up. Hernandez stays at first. I just and, uh, walked out to my car to find that every single one of my windows was wide open. Oh, well, that's awful. Yeah, ball just scooted right under the glove of, of uh, Glaber. That's okay. It's wet out there. First play of the season. Oh, second play of the season for Glaber. But, you know, these things happen. It'll be interesting to see how they score that. I imagine they're going to score that as a hit since it was still a tough play. And, uh, yes, Vlad yes, they Guerrero did. Jr. coming off of two rather disappointing seasons so far to start his MLB career. I, if you have listened to the previous episode where we go over our MLB predictions, I'm expecting very good things from him this season as he hits a dribbler up to center for a single. Uh, I uh, I'm expecting big things from him this season. I'm expecting some serious home runs, and I am all on board with the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. train. Yeah, it's crazy to think about those first two seasons as being disappointing because you think about his size and his his presence at the plate and how he performed in the home run derby. And then you look at the actual performance, and in 2019, he had 0.4 war, and in 2020, he had 0.2 war. And obviously, the 2020 figure is low because there was just fewer games to play. But either way, it's he, he had a lot of hype, and he the talent is clearly there just hasn't fully materialized yet but you know starting off his season with a single um first plate appearance up it's not a bad way to get it going i hate this i hate it so much corwin this has to go on the internet also you have to call this game no we can just do this Second inning, Mr. Play-by-Play, man. This is you. I'm going to be honest. You're straight up fucking muted. I don't know why. I, I am not. It is you who don't have me unlocked the audio. Um, Gurriel Jr. is up. He took a ball in the first pitch of the at-bat, uh, slightly away. Second pitch he swung at, though it was a low swinging strike uh, on an 88-mile-an-hour on slider. Technical difficulties. Well, don't stop talking. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, up the middle for a base hit. Aaron Hicks comes on. He will not make the throw home as Teoscar Hernandez with his great speed rounds third and gets there before Aaron Hicks even has the ability to make the throw, puts it in his pocket as the Blue Jays are once again first and second. Still nobody out as Garrett Cole has allowed three straight singles to start the second. Is Garrett Cole washed up? Did the Pittsburgh Pirates make the right decision in getting rid of him? Well, definitely not. Definitely not that. Maybe you could say the <laughs> Astros, but definitely definitely not the Pirates. No. They made a crucial error. Are you telling me Colin Moran did not break out as the single best pitcher or best third baseman in all of baseball to match with Joe Musgrove and his ability to just be a starter for the Pirates? And not the Padres. All right, Mr. Play-by-Play. Get in there. They caught the ball. (sighs) Pop fly by Rowdy Telez. Infield fly. 
caught by the first baseman, Jay Bruce, for out number one, top of the second. Yeah, the fact that it's first baseman Jay Bruce for the Yankees is just that's just a wild sentence. This New York the guy, legend Jay Bruce to you. I was gonna say this is the guy for anyone who doesn't follow the Yankees or hasn't been a Yankees fan for longer than like three years that the Yankees tried to acquire from the Mets during the 2017 season as they were looking to make their first playoff run since well since like 2013, but still. Um, and the Mets were like, "Fuck you, no." And the Yankees were like, sir, it is Jay Bruce. And the Mets were like, fuck you, no. Um, and it may, it just made no sense. So the fact that he is actually playing for the Yankees and first base to the outfield is just funny. It's just funny. Uh, do you think Garrett Cole needs to get his eyes checked or does he genuinely believe the batter is 10 feet in front of the plate in the dirt? Uh, I... I <sighs> I think he thinks he's he's getting swinging strikes on this stuff, and the problem is his command has not been here this inning, and it's tough to start off on a on such an aggressive breaking pitch if there's no reason to. Second pitch is a 87 mile an hour changeup, high and in. The count is now two zero. Yeah, you know you hear pitchers talk about how the cold of your fingers in early spring training or early season games can affect your grip and your throw, and you know you might not be holding the ball the same way you would in June or July. And, you know, it's, it's the first start of the season. It's tough to take anything too seriously here. I just found a banana in my laptop bag. That's where they go. I don't eat bananas. <laughs> Shove them up your ass. Did I leave the camera on after the last, last week's podcast? <laughs> hey, your camera's always on, buddy. Welcome to the FBI. Welcome to the show. Two and one count pitched by... Cole high and down the center of the plate, 97 mile an hour fastball count is now two and two as Grychuk cannot make contact. Yeah. Grychuk famously known for being taken one pick ahead of Mike Trout. And I bet no one's regretted that since (laughs) technically by the same team. So it doesn't matter, but still fucking funny to watch. Yeah, you know, it, it'll be uh, interesting to see how much playing time Gritchick gets once uh, George Springer's healthy and starting. Full count for Gritchick. Cole with his 29th pitch of his outing in the dirt, but catches Grychuk swinging. That is a K for Cole. Danny Jansen, number nine hitter, up now. You know, it's nice to see the swinging stuff. Obviously, if he walks away from this with these... Uh, three singles um, and only the one run allowed you say to yourself all right a little bit of a mess a little bit of a high usage inning but damage is pretty minimal um, but you know as it stands right now there's still two guys on the base pads and he's still gonna have to get his way out of this as Corwin walks away uh, yeah all right first pitch oh no sorry on oh, my screen we're still in replays <laughs> all right 85 OPS plus last season after 43 games. That is not going to get it done in the MLB for prospect Danny Jansen. Funny enough, though, it will if you're a catcher. The bar is so much lower. (laughs) Ooh, Painting the outside edge, 98 mile an hour fastball just outside. Ball one for Danny Jansen. 
You know, I'm 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 convinced you gotta throw when you're a pitcher like Cole and you're having some command command issues. You gotta throw a fuck you fastball just to kind of get your arm feeling right. It's cold out there. You can throw 98. Sometimes I think you just should. Especially for a guy with an 85 OPS plus and who has not been good at spring training so far. You can beat him with your heater. You can beat him with your swing stuff. But guess what? Get that heater down the middle. Your stuff against his stuff. Your stuff is better. Make him work for it. He's not going to be able to get there. One and two count with two outs, top of the second. Two men on first and second. Cole with the pitch. Just painting the outside corner with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball just outside. Ball two, two and two counts. This has been a steady diet of heaters here. This has been just straight fastball city. I'm not sure there's been a breaking pitch thrown this at bat yet. I have not remembered enough to be able to quantify. There has been one slider. He threw one slider. Just outside, slider in the dirt, full count for Jansen. Yeah. Who is their number one hitter? Um, oh, it wasn't Teoscar Hernandez. No, it wasn't Gurriel. Hold on. Oh, Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon. Deck. Yeah. God, where did I put that sheet? Where is it hiding? Oh, I just straight up don't even have one. I have it. The problem is I have 9,000 tabs open and I forget which one it was. Jesus. Close some of that though. boring, Josh. Come on. I, I can't. It's, it's good. I need to save it for later. Ooh, 99 mile an hour heater from cold down the heart of the plate, fouled off by Jansen, staying alive with a full count. Cole up to 35 pitches here in the top of the second. Not the efficiency you would usually expect from Cole in the first outing of the year. It is something that you can accept. Yeah, it, it's funny because there's such a reverence around opening day, as well there should be. Um, but at the same time, for me personally, I treat the entire first weeks of games as um, MLB season light because there's still so much hangover um, as you're getting ready for the season and kind of getting the funk of the offseason uh, out of your out of your game. Garrett Cole so far today, 36 pitches, 15 balls, and 21 strikes. Again, not the ratios you would come to expect for a guy like Cole, who was both of our picks for the AL Cy Young Award this season. Again, he is 36 pitches into his season. We can extrapolate, ooh, 89-mile-an-hour change up low and inside for Jansen, who fouls it off of his own leg. Looked like it hit him right in the calf. That's gotta hurt. Just above that protective little shin guard. I did not know we were playing soccer. Yeah, you know, the the command, they always say, is the last thing to come back, whether it's from injury or whether it's from the offseason. So to see him throwing his... his, Sorry, go ahead, Corwin. Oh, no, you finish. I just had something to say when you are done. Oh, so to, to see him throwing his... Uh, is breaking pitches with such movement is great. And if, as long as the movement's there, 99 mile an hour fastball from Cole painting the lower outside edge catches Danny Jansen swinging for a strikeout to end the inning way more pitches than there should have been. (laughs) Oh man. So he tosses 12 in the first inning and that was his 39th pitch, 40th pitch of the game there at the end, 39, something like that. It was his 38th pitch, so he throws 12 pitches in the first inning, 26 pitches in the second. 
Um, all of a sudden, that pitch count goes from looking pretty darn all right to fucking trash, uh, which I got to say, cursing during a broadcast is a lot of fun. Um, oh, absolutely. That's why we're here. Yeah, I, I so wish there was, you know, like the R-rated version of the broadcast so that I could do this all or so that I could hear someone someone better than me do this all the time. But is what it is. Josh, uh, that's the joke. Everyone is better than us. It's true. Corwin, what do you think you need to see out of the uh, the heart of the Yankees order as they come up here to try to pick up Cole in the bottom of the second? Who's uh, leading off for them this inning? After the one, two, three inning that the Yankees had, we'll see numbers uh, four, five, and six to start off the the bottom of the second. That'll be Giancarlo Stanton, Glaber Torres, and Geography Urshela. Uh, I'm expecting a opening pitch home run from Giancarlo Stanton here. Uh, you know what? No, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna reiterate. I'm gonna get a little bit deeper on this. I think he's gonna go swinging hard after taking the first pitch. So I think he's going to start the count uh, solid 0-2. I think both of them, uh, he's going to take or he's going to take the first pitch, uh, which I think will just kiss the edge. I think he's going to swing hard at the second pitch, miss on that, not make any contact. And I think the third pitch, he's going to take deep for a home run. That will be my prediction there. I think Glaber Torres will foul out a couple balls and take a nice fly ball to left center field. And then as far as their number six hitter, I don't remember who that is. Gio Urshela? Yep. Uh, I think he'll take a nice grounder to short. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what Stanton does here. This will be his first regular season start, obviously. Um, but he's coming off of a, an amazing postseason last year um, in which he hit uh, – I can't get it combined for some reason, which is very annoying from you, baseball reference. Um, You're usually better than this, but whatever. In the ALCS last season, he hit to the tune of a 1,543 OPS. And in the ALDS, um, sorry, that was the AL wildcard. In the ALDS, he hit to a 1,381 OPS, uh, just crushed balls, and then ended up having one of the better Yankees spring trainings. So... Steps into the plate as Hunjin Ru pumps in there an 83-mile-an-hour cutter and follows it up with a four-seam fastball that is not much faster, sitting at 84. Both pitches in, both pitches balls. Stanton just eyeballing both of them. He's shown great discipline thus far in spring training and seems to be carrying it with him into the regular season. As Hunjin Ru is working quick, my God, already throwing his next pitch, which uh, I guess just caught the bat of Stanton on the check swing, fouled away. But from the vantage point of the camera, looked as though it hit right off of Danny Jansen's face. Um, but um, since he's not hurt, it almost certainly just hit Stan's bat. Wow, this is my first time watching Hunjin Ru in a while, and I forgot how fast he worked. Um, as Stanton swings at a pitch that would have been a ball low and outside, but fouls it away, makes the count even at two and two. Very much showing his patience early here in this one. I got the first pitch correct, but I will say um, not quite the aggressiveness that I was expecting. Ball three low enough. I am okay with. Also, the fact that when he swings, he's made contact. No swings and misses here in this at-bat so far. Two swings, both of which have hit the ball. Neither of them have been a hit, but still. As he 
swings again here at the fifth pitch, sorry, sixth pitch of the at-bat, fouls that ball off as well for three balls and three fouled uh, fouled away pitches here. So far, we've seen from Stanton, or from Rue, uh, cutter and four-seam and a change-up. Let's see what it goes with. Another fastball lifted in the air. Uh, Marcus Simeon is going to call for it. He will catch it just on the lip of the outfield grass for the first out of the inning as um, Hunjin Rue takes out Stanton and gets ready to face Glaber Torres walking into the box. Glaber Torres, was that someone that you took on our fantasy league this season? I did not get the chance. I had him queued up and then someone snatched him out of uh, out of my opportunity. So for those of you that do not know us personally, which is probably all of you because our friends don't give us the time or day of day, uh, Josh and I are now in a fantasy baseball league that we drafted this week. Usually I would be very much excited for this, especially since it was a buy-in league. Um, but I hate my team so much that I am just not here for it. Well, our teams, I'll get it done in a second, as uh, Glaber Torres got a called strike on a first pitch curveball and then fouled away his second pitch forcing fastball. Um, just a bit outside. Our our draft was bizarre in that prospects had a huge run as people seem to forget that winning is the point of a fantasy league, not building for the future to such an extreme extent as a lot of major league ready players were left in the draft for the 30th and on rounds. Um, it was a weird draft. It, it is definitely something that I can understand and have done in the past. Um, building a team for the current day season, building a team to win now is something that you can do in dynasty drafts. There's always going to be those, um, be that kind of talent and value there because guys tend to focus on the long-term investment. I almost exclusively build for the future with my initial drafts because part of the value I get from dynasty is the team building aspect. I want to pretend to be a GM uh, as Claybor Torres now goes to the full account. Um, so I can, I can definitely understand why you would want to go uh, prospect heavy. Um, that being said, it was a wildly crazy draft with how all over the place things were um, with, you know, guys like Gavin Lux not getting taken until the late teens because of the way the rankings on the site worked. As Glaber Torres, uh, oh, nope, sorry. He hit the ball sharply on the ground over to the third base, but must have just skipped over the bag um, as it was ruled a foul ball by the ump at standing at third. Sorry, Corbin, to cut you off. No worries. That's why we're here. Um, that being said, uh, did not know this was a dynasty draft going into it. Took me until about the fourth round to discover that, uh, which, Josh, I will hold against you as you convinced me to join this league. Um, but it is something I can get over. Uh, we'll the hold one that thing against I will... you for not reading the rules. Uh, I read through the rules. Uh, I did not read through the roster rules. Labor Torres um, lofts a foul ball, still a full count. That being said, taking Jacob to ground first overall uh, in a dynasty league, 32-year-old pitcher, 
not ideal, especially when Fernando Tatis would have been my guy. And I have only lost a little bit of sleep. Pops one out and falls in left center field for Glaber Torres, who will have a single after a full count. Bitch, it is my my turn to be the play-by-play guy. We're in the third, right? I know, but you're behind. And oh, no, we're in the I second. Just... Wait, the, the, no, this is still your... Oh, God, I'm sorry. I was cutting you off. This is your inning. Bitch. Yeah, fuck, I was wrong. Sorry, I'm going to be honest, they changed sides, and I totally thought it was now your... Do you want to call the Yankees and I'll just call the Blue Sox, Blue Jays, Blue Sox. Can we call the Blue Sox? No, I I think we should we should treat this as a learning experience and st- stick with the innings because that's probably the right thing to do and just actually get better at this. We need to, to be improve. Honest, I am not completely sold on this uh, entire calling play by play for our first live stream. Essentially, our first viewing of a live game together just because it seems to be affecting the overall ability for us to have a you know more of a continuous conversation uh that being said i'm sure it is something that we will be able to work with i said all right let's Let's give it to the fouls off a pitch to have a even one one count let's give this to the fourth inning and we'll see how it goes from there i concur i am very much okay with that yeah and you see, for anybody listening to this after the fact, this is why we did not do this live, because we did not know how this is going to go. Oh, yes. Um, usually you don't start, you know, a TV broadcast or you don't film a movie and then just send it out there live. That was a really bad analogy. I promise I'll try to get better, but we'll work through this as Gio Urshela has a one two count with the pitch coming or not, Engine Roos taking his time for once. Huge cut there earlier by Gio Urshela. He really swung for the fences on that pitch. Pitch coming low, 91-mile-an-hour fastball, fouled off for a 1-2 count. Engine Roos, 34 pitches into the second inning. Man on first with one out. What do you think of these Blue Jays hats, these two-tone Blue Jays hats that they're sporting for the regular season here? I have not paid attention yet. Ooh, I actually like those. Ooh, Gio Urshela, 81 mile an hour changeup just outside, painting the corner. Swung and missed by Urshela for a strikeout and the second out of the inning. We just got uh, MLB TV to get working on the television so we will be switching over to that now thank you mr ethan bartlett joining us now let's see if that uh yeah if you text it to him evens it up i'm gonna text it to you so you can get on the same page cool i'm gonna be in i'm gonna be in network so i can't i won't be able to watch it using mlb network because the blackout restrictions Uh, blackout restrictions are in effect but you will have it for the future yes which if we do non-yankees games will be will be perfect Ethan Bartlett talking about how dumb blackout restrictions are as fucking something stupid. we can all agree with unanimously. So fucking it's stupid. Stupidest fucking thing in all of baseball. Pitch taken deep. Gary Sanchez, first pitch he sees this year, deep for a two run home run to start the Yankees season. I was really wondering what your home run call might be because I thought about this during the day and I was wondering if you had two. <laughs> I have not at all. 
that was off the cuff, and I will. I missed the initial pitch. I only saw it going deep because I was closing my laptop. Gary Sanchez, Fucking the Kraken, Gary. with a home run. I uh, I am so upset that you got to call that, and I didn't. Um, I'm also very upset that someone drafted Gary Sanchez in our league because they he another Yankee that got drafted right before I was going to take him, like two picks beforehand. But fuck it, whatever. Doesn't matter. This is real life, and in real life, Gary Sanchez put the Yanks on top by one. That's what we like to see. When you come back, yeah, we'll just we'll frame it up. Jay Bruce taking the first pitch as we see a replay of this Gary Sanchez. Ooh, what a sweet swing from Gary. I am predicting now after seeing him take one pitch so far this season, a monster bounce back campaign. Gary Sanchez now batting, uh, now hitting a home run per pitch this season. (laughs) That is very sustainable. Uh, I am now fully projecting 750 home runs for him this season. Yep, one plate appearance, one swing, one home run all While year. playing every single day for the Yankees. Batting first. Batting first. Yeah. Gary Sanchez very locked in early in spring and then kind of tapered off as the entire Yankees roster did. But at the same time, when spring training hitting comes um, around, after players kind of get locked in at the beginning, you try out new things, different leg motions, um, different stances as it's not abnormal to see people taper off, but Sanchez looked with that swing as locked in as he did early on in spring training this year. Ooh, looping change up popped short into the front of the outfield. Bo Bichette making the snag to end the inning for the Yankees. But now with a two O lead going into the third Garrett Cole will be back, and Joshua Tracy will be taking over with the play-by-play. I'm glad you said it. I was about to say it too, so that we like had a had a lot. Like, all right, now we're changing hands. Yep. Yeah. We need yeah, to we, focus in on that. Yeah, we really do. Um, so let's take a look. Speak since Gary Sanchez uh, belted out the first home run of this game, the first home run of the season for the Yankees. Let's take a look at where he's been at. Uh, these past couple years. So last season in 2020, he um, he saw 774 pitches and he had 92 batted balls. Now Gary Sanchez by performance last year did not have a great season. Um, let's look at his some of his more boilerplate stats that uh, you know you don't have to care about and nor should you, but they're the things that people get judged on whether that's right or wrong. Um, in a, in a lot of ways, Gary Sanchez last season, a 147 batting average His expected batting average was higher expected batting average, taking into account things like exit velocity and launch angle, but still sitting at 191, which is not great, but his barrel ball percent was 17.4, which is very high. And in each of Gary Sanchez's last three seasons, that barrel ball percent has been high. Um, in 2018, it was 13.9. 2019, it was 19.1. And 2020, it was 17.4. Gary Sanchez, um, his barrel percent is in the 97th percentile in all of baseball. His hard hit percent is in the 92nd percentile in all of baseball. And his exit velocity is in the, in the 89th percentile in all of baseball. So when the man makes contact, he makes the contact, makes contact hard as shit. He has a good walk percent, 63rd percentile. And his slugging is a little bit more middle of the road, but still over average sitting in the 53rd percentile. Um, Really where he struggles is in swings and misses. He's in the 11th percentile for whiffs, second percentile in strikeout. Uh, 
and fifth percentile in expected batting average. And it's largely as a result of, well, those two things. 36% K percent last year, but 50% hard hit percent. That is dangerous. It really is just a question of how locked in can, can, can the guy be? Um, so right now his OPS is uh, literally as high as it possibly can be, um, which I think is, uh, what is it, Corbin, 4,000? Um, that's the max OPS. That's assuming you come up to the plate and hit a yes. home run every single at-bat. So right now his OPS is sitting pretty. It don't mean shit until you hit uh, eh, a little, like maybe two months into the season, thereabouts, whenever Mike Trout leads the leaderboards, as, as the saying goes. But uh, anyway, let's turn our attention over to the Yankees pitching side as Garrett Cole on the bump pumps in the first pitch to um, Marcus Simeon to start off the top of the third. Uh, Simeon takes ball one high fastball from Garrett Cole brings into the second one. He goes for the knuckle curve ball, um, which is also a ball as this one sits a little bit low in the way. Cole still sticking with the uh, with the breaking stuff early on here as he throws a fastball that gets rocketed quite hard, but uh, a little bit in on the hands as it finds the seats just out of the reach of Glaber Torres, a ball that might have been able to have been caught had this been a few seasons ago before the netting got extended down the foul lines, but certainly out of a, a fielder's capacity today with that netting being present and preventing a Derek Jeter style diving into the stands type of play. Garakole pumps in a slider or sorry, no eh, change up <laughs> as I decide what pitch it is <laughs> um, for a swinging strike two and gets right back to it. As he goes in with another slider, that one swung on and fouled away to hold the two and two count. Simeon steps out of the box and gets himself back in with his fucking goatee. Garrett Cole digs in, throws, once again lifted in the air, 96-mile-an-hour fastball down the heart of the plate. Glaber Torres calls for it and makes the catch for the first out of the second inning. Uh, Marcus Simeon made an out, but he still got the chance to see six pitches, um, which is a little bit higher per plate appearance than you'd like to see out of your starting pitcher. You know, five pitches per at bat is about where you'd like to be. That puts you on a 15 um, pitch per inning pace, assuming you get all three outs, but whatever results, as long as Garrett Cole limits the damage here, even if he only tosses five or six innings, it's not a big deal. You take what you can get and you, uh, just build on these starts going forward. Garakol's first pitch in the dirt for ball one. Second pitch also low, but this time swung on by Kevin Biggio for strike one, an even 1-1 one, one count. Corbin, what do you think about this Blue Jays roster, uh, this young, young batting core as uh, Biggio takes outside ball two, um, heading into what is a open division for second place? You're muted. Corwin, you're muted. Corwin, you're muted. Fuck me. Uh, I keep doing that to keep my mic from just having a bunch of 
You want to make that call? No. Okay. Uh, foul uh, ball. Ball. Uh, 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 hold on. Are, I, what, what's the count on your screen? For me, it's 2-2. Two, two. Zero, 0 Okay. I'm a little ahead still. Yeah. Here, pause your shit for like 30 seconds and see what that does. Because I can't fast forward mine. <laughs> All right. Let me know the next time you see Garrett Cole on screen, and then I will resume. All right. Cavin uh, Biggio staring at strike three as it comes um, what looked to me like a changeup and was actually a slider, so fuck Josh. Um, as Bo Bichette digs in, still looking at replays of that last slider. And Garrett Cole is now on the mound. Kevin Biggio. Garrett Cole is set and delivering the pitch, which looks like it was a slider in on the hands, but in the zone, swung on for a foul ball, strike one. And that was a changeup. Damn it. I can't get those two pitches differentiated in my eyes yet. Who do you have up to bat right now? Is, is it still Biggio? Sorry, Bo, sorry, Boba Shett. I said oh, okay. the wrong name. Man, this is a rough. This is a rough job for people who mix up names like me. Huh. Um, as Garrett Cole delivers high ball, check with the first base ump, not swung on, so it is a one-one count here on Boba Shett. So yeah, to get back to it now that we are hopefully a little bit more succinct, as. Garrett Cole is delivering his third pitch. Oh, huge swing by Boba Shett as he loses control of his body, loses balance, and loses his bat. <laughs> oh, that's a fun swing. <laughs> he genuinely is... looked surprised by how badly he missed that ball. Yeah. I Eyes wide, very big. confused. Somebody check to see if he has whiplash. And his second uh, swing, his swing right after that, much more tame as he fouls the ball straight down the first base line on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. <laughs> Corbin, tell me about uh, the youth. So to get back to it, I am fully expecting a, a lot of growing pain still as these Blue Jays still try to figure out their young players and, and figuring out MLB baseball. That being, that being said, I expect their offense to be um, very, very variable throughout the season with some huge outings. Um, I just hope that their pitching is something that will be able to keep up as their depth is very, very bad. Uh, I am very much excited to see how Nate, P Nate Pearson fares in his first cup of coffee in the majors um, as he starts the season with the big league club. I do not know when his first start will be. I have not done that kind of research because I am not a professional broadcaster. That being said, it will be exciting. Yeah, this Blue Jays team is going to have to rely a lot on uh, young pitching talent since they just don't have a lot of major league guys. You know, they, they've, they've suffered some injuries, and, and even the guys that they have healthy have injury concerns, as we talked about with Rue earlier on. Uh, count is even on Bo Bichette as Cole gets set and delivers. Right painted on the outside corner, strike three called Boba Shet down looking as the Blue Jays fall one, two, three to uh, Garrett Cole in a nice, efficient bounce back inning. The Yankees starter having now thrown 56 pitches um, so far this this game with within three innings is still a bit much. Um, 56 divided by three is what, like 18? No, 19. I do not know. 
18 and a half, eight, well, 18 and a third, but um, still. So that's a little bit high, but the nice bounce back, it lowers his average pitches per inning. And um, well, that's something to, to, to be admired, to hope, hold out the hope that he ends up getting deeper into this game. Um, it's interesting that Garrett Cole so far has not allowed too much in the way of fly ball. He's always been, uh, or he's been more so of late a fly ball pitcher. And so far we haven't really seen that too much. It's been a lot more singles as we saw with the trouble in the second inning um, and a couple pop-ups here and there, but not so much to the extent that he had been kind of building up towards his last season in Pittsburgh. He had a 15.9% um, home run to fly ball ratio. Oh, sorry. Let me actually look at um, what his uh, fly ball percent was. I have his ground ball percent. Let's see. Can I find his fly ball percent on the fly or no? Um, it appears as though Fangraphs is saying, telling me to go fuck myself. Um, as it should. Ah, found it. Uh, his last season in Pittsburgh was the high water mark of his fly ball percent at 33.7. Since then, his two seasons in Houston, he had a 42.7% fly ball percent, then a 39.4% fly ball percent, and then last season with New York, a 43.1% fly ball percent. But so far, it hasn't been present here in this game. You got to wonder if that's been one of his focuses for the offseason and then earlier in spring trainings is to limit that. Um, obviously, you'd prefer ground balls because it is impossible to hit a home run on a ground ball outside of some little league type shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we'll see as Clint Frazier steps up to bat here in the bottom of the third uh, as the Yankees look to build upon what they were able to do last inning 2 1 Yanks. Rude dishes out his first pitch. Fastball, 89-mile-an-hour fastball inside ball one. This is, uh, this is, this is the biggest chance Frazier's gotten so far and the biggest vote of confidence as uh, Rude delivers a breaking pitch uh, in the middle. Or sorry, uh, uh, catching the heart of the plate for uh, strike one. Frazier's gotten stretches of time where he's been the starting left fielder, but this is the first time that it's been his job and not him holding – on a uh, ball inside on a breaking pitch to Frazier, ball two, count two and one. Um, he's typically only served as the backup left fielder when there's been injuries to either Brett Gardner or to Aaron Hicks, which forced Gardner to center, um, leaving the left field's position open as Hicks weak, or Hicks, uh, Frazier weakly grounds to short, but which catches it, Bear uh, makes a quick transfer and gets it over to the first baseman Guerrero in time for the out. That's one out uh, as the top of the order for the Yanks steps comes back up with DJ LeMahieu coming to bat. Um, what do you think of Frazier this year? What are you, what are you looking uh, to get I'm out of excited. him? I'm you know, excited. I think, again, he's going to have his pains like he's shown uh, every time he's uh, come up to the majors. But uh, I do fully expect him to turn himself into a, a very serviceable, uh, above-average outfielder for the Yankees with some good power. Uh, I hope he can keep the strikeout numbers low and keep the average up and uh, really perform. As uh, DJ fouls one down the uh, third base line, just a foul, though. Everyone started running. Just a foul. Those are the worst. Then you got to fucking trot your way back to home plate. Like, all right, all right. Uh, did all that running for nothing.
the same time, though, seeing the third baseman scoop it up must be nice to know it's a foul ball. It's like, whew, I'd have been out. I ain't that fast. All right. Rude digs back in. Pitch is chosen, winds up, throws high. Ball one, count even one and one. Both standing at the ready. All right. I saw four fingers flash. It looks like a breaking pitch. It was low in the zone, grounded to third. Biggio to Guerrero in time to catch LeMahieu. So far, Yanks have been down one, two. And now here comes the judge batting in the two hole, hoping to get something going from the top of the order, which has been uh, rather unproductive in their two at-bats. And that might sound like an overreaction. It's opening day. That's all we have. That's all you're here for. If you're not here for us to make wild and ludicrous claims about nonsense, I don't know why you listen to the show. It's all we do. All right. Root digging in. Judge standing ready. Here's the pitch. A nice looping curveball, I'll say, that gets uh, fouled away to the third base side. And it was a curveball. That one's tough to get wrong. <laughs> If you had to pick one breakout candidate or at least bounce back candidate, one guy who is playing for the Yankees this season, going to have a bigger role, going to have a breakout, going to basically come back. Who's your surprise player for the Yankees this season? Brett Gardner. Really? <laughs> really? I mean, because let, let's define surprise as a uh, rude delivers uh, low and away for ball one. People are expecting to see progress from Clint Frazier since he has a starting role. People are expecting to see a good season from Aaron Hicks. Is what he's, that's what he's used to. People are expecting good seasons from Luke Voigt. That's what he just did. And Gary Sanchez, either you love him and think he's going to bounce back every single season, or you hate him and you never think he's going to bounce back. And if he does, it's it's not a surprise. You look at it as like a, like a fluke, um, as Judge takes very inside for ball two. A surprise candidate would be Brett Gardner, who does not have a starting role. But if anybody got hurt, he is the backup um outfielder as judge weakly grounds to short Bichette gets it shovels it over to first and ends the inning as the Yanks go down one two three not too much of a fight um and I think what would surprise people about it is one Gardner's old and you know eventually gonna have to get appreciably worse so if there was to be a breakout season it has to be by a guy who would get a lot of playing time that would be Gardner he's got the best defense on the bench and it's a guy I don't think people would pick because it's Brett Gardner. Why would you pick him? Um, so that's why that's why I would pick him. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I really hope it doesn't, only because that means that someone in our starting lineup gets hurt for a significant period of time, and that's like a not what you want. But which with the Yankees, that never happens. Oh no, truly. I mean, what an what an aberration. It would never occur. Uh, we, while we're in a commercial break with Corbin taking over play-by-play duties when we come back to the fourth inning, what do you think about um, the Mets and Nats game already getting postponed today and tomorrow um, due to COVID? First game of the uh, season. It, it's making me uh, not too excited for uh, my prediction of no teams missing games due to COVID outbreaks. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm not terribly 
disappointed. I'm not terribly worried. Uh, I think it's something that will come back. And, uh, I mean, they'll be able to make it up. They have plenty of time to do so throughout the season. We usually see a fair amount of postponed uh, games early on in the season, whether it be due to, to rain or the cold. So, um, as of now, they haven't really showed anything that I would be worried about long term. So, no concerns yet. That being said, being baseball, that could happen real quick. Yeah, it's um, it was a hell of a story, especially coming out the day after the uh, story about the Cardinals came out saying that they were already at the 85% of uh, the team being vaccinated, which was a great story to hear because it's just more people getting vaccinated and it's one less team to have to worry about the possibility of, of a severe outbreak. Um, hindering one the team's ability to play and then two possibly affecting player health um the, you know one of those two things being more important than the other but so to, to see to see the mets in the news two days in a row uh or really two stories in a row with first the lindor signing and then um the outbreak or the at least the game getting postponed is uh shit it is is not great All right, here we go. Top of the fourth inning, T. Oscar Hernandez leading off for the Blue Jays, singled so far and scored a run in this game. First pitched 95-mile-an-hour fastball, low and away for strike one. Garrett Cole coming into this inning, uh, now pitching or now having 57, 58 pitches, paints that low outside corner again, this time with a changeup, I believe. Oh, to count for Hernandez. Um, I'd love to see the uh, the power carry over from last year. Hit a ton of homers as Cole throws an eighty mile an hour curve. I yep, don't know knuckle, what that pitch was. Curve. Looked like a change curve. Sure, whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Tiasco Hernandez like to uh, like to see the breakout continue. Like to see him keep his average up while maintaining that power. Uh, could be a big name for the Blue Jays this year if he can do so. Even count now at two and two for Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez is still young. He's been in the league for a while. This is his um, this is his sixth season in the majors, but he's uh, he's only twenty eight. Paints the outside corner for a looking strike. You know, and and while twenty eight might be. Out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, 28 might be a little bit, you know, I don't know, old for a breakout. It's still there's still a lot of baseball left in him to play. Um, and as Corwin said, he led the Toronto Blue Jays in home runs last season, 16. But again, a shortened season. So 16 is fairly high. Um, and to see him hold up that level of production, especially as uh, at bats might be a little bit harder to come by in the outfield. Uh, really, would do daddy up to bat fouls off the first pitch for an 0-1 count. Singled in the second in his one plate appearance so far this year. I'd love to see Vlad figure out his launch angle, be able to increase his fly ball rate, really pump up those home run numbers, avoid those hard hit line drives and grounders. All the potential in the world, former number one overall prospect in baseball. That uh, that strikeout of... Um... Teoscar Hernandez was the 100th strikeout of Garrett Cole's career with the Yankees. I should say with the Yankees. I was going to say Sorry. that number seems 
painfully low. Yeah, with with the Yankees. He's been a major league ball player for quite some time. It is not the first what strikeout. Are, what is his strikeout total so far this game? This game, I believe he I believe that was his sixth. Let me just go double check. 64 pitches so far through six 3.1 innings. Six strikeouts would be a very good number for him. Very good start, even though his command has not been there. You know, and, and it's definitely something that's coming back, though. We've seen him paint a lot of edges so far, uh, so far in the third and now fourth inning. And again, that, that's what you that's what you're looking for. If, if he can have a mediocre outing by innings pitched and runs allowed, but still rack up strikeouts, then you'll assume he'll figure out the rest later. It's way harder to get that type of movement to get strikeout stuff. And, um, you know, later in the season. Ooh. One thing's easier to develop than the other. 97 mile an hour fastball down the heart of the plate. Swinging strike for Vladdy. Yeah, he looks Full lost. Count. Vladdy daddy. As he fouls that one back. 89 mile an hour. I'll say change up. He'll watch it be a slider. It was. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, Gladly. Yeah. Oh. It is oh, man, we should be watching the, the fucking Detroit game right now. They are playing in the snow. But then we'd have to watch Detroit. Very fair. I do not want to watch the Tigers play baseball or whatever it is they call Ooh, that. Drawing the walk with a low curveball in the dirt. Vlad Guerrero will take first base. He's got the eye. You know, he, he he's he's very comfortable in the box. It, it's it's whatever piece is missing, it's not a huge chunk. He's got the raw power. He's got a good eye. Is it there's just there's just some little bit to the the mystery that is Guerrero Jr. that he's just got to wrangle to get wrangle together to become, you know, a generational talent like his dad. And again, you know, I think a lot of it is, in fact, that uh, exit angle. Um, he hits a very uh, disproportionate amount of ground balls compared to fly balls, hits a lot of liners. Uh, is just something that with his power, with his swing, with his eye hitting those fly balls, getting those home runs, getting the ball deep would be huge for his game and, and what he does well. Um, I mean, we saw it so many times last year with 115, 110 mile an hour exit velocities just going straight into the dirt and easy outs for him, especially with uh, the little speed he has. 0-2 count, Cole throws back to first, trying to pick off Guerrero. How do you pronounce his first name? Lourdes? Lourdes Guriel Jr. Lourdes Guriel Jr. Thank you very much. 0-2 count. High fastball. Getting back to to Vlad Guerrero Jr., he doesn't walk uh, a crazy amount. uh, 38th percentile in walk percent. He walks about 9% of the time, but he almost never strikes out. He's in the 84th percentile for K percent. And it's that lack of striking out that really is, is a, a very good indicator for him as a hitter. 
swinging strike in the dirt for Guriel. That will be Cole's seventh strikeout on the day. Second out, second out here in the fourth inning. God, seven strikeouts and it's the fourth inning. Fuck off. <laughs> Eric Cole, good at pitching. Fuck off. Lord S. Guriel Jr. showing off the blue hair he has this season with Rowdy Telez now in the box. Let's go. I will admit Rowdy. these baby blue Blue Jays jerseys. I don't know if these are their alternate road unis or if this is what they're going to be going with for the full season. Excuse me as I try to talk through a yawn. Um, but I'm a big fan of it so far. Guriel getting behind it. Pop fly to right field. Judge tracking and caught for out number three to end the top of the fourth. One pitch, one out to end it for Cole, who now through four has thrown uh, 73 pitches. He's really getting back on track. Um, mm-hmm. It's about, it's a little less than 16 pitches per inning, which uh, again, on the high I'll, end of normal. Yeah, a little, a little bit, but considering the 28 or 26 pitch second inning he had has really, really put it back together. Um, yeah. I mean, if he has a, a efficient inning here in the fifth, this next inning, uh, I think he could get that, that six inning quality start. Uh, put him in a, a nice position for a win. Um, you know, good good position for goal opening day. I can't imagine they're going to leave him out there very long. So I think, uh, you know, if he if he touches, you know, mid-90s by the end of the fifth, that'll probably be it for him today. Uh, that being said, of course, we would love to see Cole out there as long as possible. Yeah. And, and the, over for a second while I crack my back because it's already hurting. <laughs> yeah, all good. Um, this, this, this is veteran pitcher stuff, man. You know, this is what you, this is exactly what you want to see from, from your veteran pitchers who maybe struggle at the start, um, or at some point during a game is to, you know, be able to kind of center themselves, wrap their mind around what they're doing well, what's not working, reset that, and then go out there and fix the start. And it's not uncommon. And it's not also a fault of younger pitchers or at least less experienced dudes who are coming up to the majors and might get rattled by the idea that this is major league pitching, even though it's to a large extent, the same type of pitching they've been doing their whole career, Um, you know, getting rocked early on or not having a pitch, you know, I'm like, I'm a curveball pitcher. My curveball is not working or I'm a slider is my second favorite pitch and it's not there. Might be enough to throw a guy off and have that spiral to being an early exit for them. Instead, Cole missed a lot on his pitches in the second um, and has been able to just go, all right, like I, I, whether it's communicating with Sanchez, communicating with um, uh, the, the pitching coach, whatever it might be to get himself back together. That's what you want to see out of your, that's especially what you want to see out of, out of your, your ACE because you expect your ACE to not just be the best quality pitcher on your team, but also to chew up a lot of innings. So going back to the ACE of the Blue Jay staff as Hunjin Rue digs in here, in the bottom of the fourth against Aaron Hicks, Corwin Heller back on the call. Absolutely. 73 mile an hour. What I believe was a changeup. I am not good at uh, curveball. Thanks. I really just looked at the number there and took an assumption. I'm with you. That is definitely something I do want to work on this season, um, especially with how much baseball I do watch and how much I do enjoy watching pitchers. I want to get better. Uh, and start to uh, build up my repertoire of being able to identify pitches, uh, not really just making assumptions on looping curves, just big movement on sliders outside. Um, 
obviously be able to distinguish a little bit more with uh, pitch speed for change-ups, fastballs, two-seamer versus four-seamer. Hopefully that's something – I know you're fairly good at it, something that you can assist with throughout the season. Yeah, that's the it's – the, it's the tough part, especially when, uh, when it's not dramatic, like some pitchers have very dramatic movement on their pitches as um, ruin eight and nine mile an hour fastball down the gut. Uh, three and one um because if it's if it's a little more subtle it just makes it all the harder especially for me um the slider versus changeup i i get so if it's not very obvious like it's very turned around on it full count with a foul ball going just outside that third base line for aaron hicks a lot of action on the third base line with the righties against this lefty which uh you know, has you thinking that you, a lot of righties are getting out in front of a lot of these pitches, pulling stuff over towards that third base bag, um, which means it could be the slowness of Rue's stuff. You know, again, he's not a hard thrower. It could just be chalked up to the deception of it since um, he's got a good arm action. But whatever it is, the, the Yankees are out in front a lot here, um, which is causing a lot of balls to get pulled over to that third base side. Rue with a 91-mile-an-hour fastball high for Aaron Hicks for his fourth strikeout of the game. 56 pitches so far, heading into his second batter in the fourth inning. Very efficient outing so far from Hinjin Rue. Not the same strikeout numbers we are seeing from Garrett Cole. Obviously, that is not something that we would have expected coming into this. So Hinjin Rue playing up to his 2019 Dodgers season doing exactly what he needs to do to keep this game close and in hand. Not quite in hand yet. Ball kissing the top of the zone, 86-mile-an-hour changeup. Called a ball for Giancarlo Stanton. Took ball one. Let's see if he swings hard. Keep his prediction in line. Nope. Takes a second pitch. 2-0 count for Stanton. Definitely something I said early on. Definitely showing off his patience so far this season in his second plate appearance. He's not just power. He's really a complete hitter. If only he could stay healthy. Which is why I think we're going to see him – or sorry, never going to see him in the outfield this season. I think it would take – uh, something catastrophic happening to this Yankees roster to put him in the outfield. I think in, if if Judge stays healthy, I think we'll definitely see him at DH a significant amount this year. Um, obviously, if Judge is hurt, they might have him out there at least more often than he will regularly. That being said, I'm sure they would still try their best to keep him as DH as much as possible just to keep him as healthy as possible. Losing Judge or Stanton would definitely be hard as he hits a dribbler back to Rue, who throws it to first for out number two in the fourth. For all the power Stanton has, it was always funny seeing the big guys hit dribblers. Oh, of course. Um, But that being said, losing Judge or Stanton would be huge for the Yankees. Losing both would be, once again, catastrophic. Maybe not catastrophic, but definitely uh, a huge speed bump for them this season uh, would love to keep them both healthy. Obviously labor Torres up to bat 
swings and a miss, 80 mile an hour change up down center of the plate. Oh, one count. I'm just trying to see if I'm going to find that uh, Giancarlo Stan exit velocity, but uh, not yet. Can't find it yet. Seeing a little bit of a different camera angle so far now and again, where we are essentially off to the right of the catcher, viewing the pitch coming in from the side. Not something I remember seeing much last year. A little bit disorienting so far, expecting to see the pitch from back behind the batter's eye. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I would love to see more camera angles employed by MLB. Um, obviously, the standard camera angle, the one you all think of, uh, is the, you know, golden one. But at the same time, have some fun with it, you know. Of course. 85 mile an hour, just outside off the plate called for a strike to end the fourth inning as we move on to the fifth josh will be taking over with the play-by-play Rychuk leading off the inning this has been this has been a lot uh this has been a pitcher heavy game so far it's been very quiet outside of the uh bottom of the second sorry top of the second for the for the blue jays and um the bottom of the second for the yankees with both all four three runs jesus coming in that one inning outside of that it's been pitching 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 which uh you got to be encouraged by if you are yankees and blue jays fans because the guys that you're going to be leaning on both teams strategies and plans for making the playoffs are reliant upon these two guys so uh, you got to be encouraged even if the bats aren't showing up yet that at least the uh the strategy that your teams are going for and the plan that they've done for this offseason and for how the course of this season is supposed to go so far seems to be in full effect, but we'll see. Uh, all right. So we're going to be heading into the top of the fifth. Uh, let's take a look and see um, where Garrett Cole is at thus far in this game. Um, he has his batted ball profile. No, actually, we went over that already. Let's look at his plate discipline from Garrett Cole. His is in the zone percent is 48.5, which means just under half the time does he actually stay in the zone. But his in the zone swing percent is 67.1. So even when he's in the zone, it's still very, very difficult to hit. Um, batters are hit, are missing him um, quite a bit as his chase percent is 30, 33.1, which means that when he leaves the zone, there's still a one out of three chance the batters are going to swing at it. Good deception. Oh, wow. That game is snowy as shit. Wow. Sorry. They, uh, they just showed, they're showing some of the um, Tigers game, Tigers Indian or Cleveland game on the broadcast. Wow. Michael, Miguel Cabrera, apparently when he hit his home run, couldn't see the ball go in the stands and slid into second thinking it was a double <laughs> before Fucking fully awesome. rounding the bases. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a snowy game. Uh, finishing up with Garrett Cole's profile, he's uh, on the edge of the strike zone 43.1% of the time, which means he's very efficient and good at painting the corners uh, and staying himself out, away from the heart of the plate too much. Uh, and he gets his swing 49.6% of the time with a 34.2% whiff percent, which is phenomenal. Um, 
It delivers a first pitch strike to Randall Gritchick, and we're underway here in the top of the fifth as he's already in his windup for the next one. Pumps in a fastball high that gets taken into uh, left center. Aaron Hicks chases it down for out number one, two pitches in to the top of the fifth. So far, Garrett Cole once again finding his efficiency that we very much so had in the beginning of this game um, as he looks to steady that pitch count from the Rocky second. Uh, as as much fun as it looks on TV to watch snowman games, I have to say going to games with inclement weather fucking sucks, having gone to many Jets games like that. As Garrett Cole <laughs> throws a breaking pitch that just fucking sucked, um, almost hitting Danny Jansen in the head uh, because it was just the world's worst curveball. <laughs> One of those breaking pitches that doesn't quite break. It looks like it just slipped out of his hand. Um as he delivers the snow. Yeah. It. Yeah, it's leaking over here to, to the Bronx. <laughs> uh, fastball low and outside, ball two. And Jansen definitely wasn't swinging at whatever came next. Wind up here. This ball finds the bottom of the zone. Called strike one. Yankee Stadium up in the Bronx. What street is that on? How high up does it get? Uh, 161st Street. 161st, okay. Yeah. Very high. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's when, the what's the uh, what's the dividing line between Bronx and Manhattan? Well, there isn't one because because Manhattan goes up up into Washington Heights after that. So uh, the Bronx and Manhattan, uh, if you drew the line horizontally, intersect or, or share space. Okay. So if you're so if you're you in technically live in the Bronx and Manhattan at the same time, well, no, because Manhattan's an island and the Bronx is not an island. I need to look at the map of New York City again. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> As uh, Kenley Jansen lines a single here into left field, Frazier scoops it up. Kenley Jansen. Jansen? Yes, yeah, Kenley Jansen. <laughs> yeah, sure, Danny Jansen. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, Cole scoops it up and holds Jansen to a single. I see now. I feel like we've had this conversation before, but as someone who is from New Jersey and has been to New York City many, many times, the actual breakdown of the layout of New York City just does not make sense to me. And it is a surprise every single time I see it. Like Staten Island, I fully expect to be on right where... You know, Long Island starts to the right of Queens. Staten Island, basically in Jersey. Right. And I, I fully expect Manhattan to be the southernmost borough, which it is not. Garakold dished out a first pitch strike to Marcus Simeon. Throws him. And a changeup, I'm going to say, as he gives that ball a ride out to left. Frazier sits underneath it, makes the catch for the second out of the game. Jansen dances back to first. Derek Cole grimacing a little bit at that one, like, ah, clearly not super thrilled with himself on that pitch, letting um, Simeon get probably more of it than any pitcher wants to see a batter get. But you take the out and because it's not a home run. And uh, your ERA is intact. All right. Two-hitter, Kevin Biggio comes up. Garrett Cole looking to get out of this inning. 
have himself another nice productive one here, allowing only one base runner so far and uh, pretty short plate appearances with the other two batsmen of the outing. Biggio digs in, Cole delivers, fastball outside, ball one. Garrett Cole very consistently in this outing between 97 and 98 miles an hour on his fastball. I think over the course of the season, we'll see him throwing harder than that. But still, it's a very encouraging sign to see him throwing as hard as he is so early in the season as he delivers a changeup on the outside corner, drawing a swing from Biggio, but a foul ball that doesn't leave the batter's box. Ah, oh, that was a changeup that time. Yes. Who would you expect if this is Cole's last inning here? Starting for the Yankees today, who would you expect to have the next appearance on the mound for the Yankees? As Biggio lifts that one out to Frazier as well, all three outs coming from, or sorry, um, all three balls in play coming as a result of uh, uh, coming straight to Clint Frazier as he gets tested in left field early in this game. Uh, you asked me who, what pitcher I think would follow Cole? Correct. I have no fucking clue. Uh, and the problem with it is that so Araldis Chapman starting the season suspended. Mm-hmm. So and the Yankees did not commit to what who, else is now? Yeah, right. Fuck that guy. But uh, the Yankees are not committed to who is going to be the closer for the first couple of games. Zach Britton also out due to injury. Adam Ottavino traded. So your my gut reaction would say, well, then Chad Green would probably be your closer, just kind of de facto. But it's going to depend on the leverage of the situation. Since I doubt. Cole is going to leave runners only because I imagine if the season he struggle with it being early, the Yankees might give him an opportunity to actually get out of it. I So I would doubt that there's going to be too many base runners coming in. Um, is there a pitcher coming in with too many base runners? Just my thinking on the situation. Um, it might be a good opportunity for one of the younger dudes, Lucas Letej, maybe um, to come in and, and just see what they can do. But It'll depend how deep in the game we are and how much the Yankees feel as though they need high-end pitching to get out of whatever situation they're in. Um, I mean, really, it's like, who's fucking guess? I I, I mean, because yeah. the Yankees' bullpen is so different from what it used to be. You know, now we're used to guys like, you know, Tommy Canely and... and um, uh, David Robertson, and now it's uh, it's Darren O'Day, it's Nick Nelson, it's uh, Luis Sessa, who's been with the team for a while, Michael King's here, Jonathan Weizig is still here. Um, my my I, my personal opinion is I would like to see Letej or Luge, Lech. I honestly don't really know how to pronounce his name. I've never heard anyone say it um, because I usually work when the games are on and I means that they're usually muted um but i'm seeing if i can find a pronunciation of his name super quick and i don't see one fuck um but yeah i uh genuinely who the fuck knows as we enter the bottom of the fifth and hunjin ru um chalks up his first pitch outside and low for ball one uh to geo urshela Second pitch is high and away for ball two. Urshela just not biting on those breaking pitches. Um, 
We saw what appears to be a cutter. Hunjin Ru still working pretty quick. Next pitch is low. Checks. Nope. He did not check his swing. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a strike on Urshela. Down 2-1 in the count. As the Yankees look to try to get something going. As they really haven't. It's a single from Glaber Torres, a bloop single, and then a home run from Gary Sanchez. And that's been it. I don't think we've seen another Yankees base runner. I don't think we've seen any walks. As uh, Urshela lifts this one to the dead man's land in right. Oh, and uh, Teoscar Hernandez just comes up with it to make the out. Um, good one hustle, away. Good catch. Yeah, really. That's a, that's a tough spot to, spot to to make a play as the first baseman, shortstop, sorry, sorry, first baseman, second baseman, and right fielder all converge in the same area. If you're gonna hit a bloop single, that is a very good place to end up getting it, or a good, a likely place you'll end up getting it because it's just so hard to get to. So let's see if Gary Sanchez here can turn some magic on the first pitch, just like he did with the last one, and keep this 4,000 OPS going. As Hunjin Root digs in, looks in, flashes the signs. I saw a one, so I'm expecting fastball. It looks like we got a cutter again up in the zone, ball one. Uh, yeah, getting Sanchez going, going for some line. big swings early on in this game. Yeah, huge cut. High pop that's going to find the seats behind home plate. All right. As Rude digs in, 2-1 count to Gary. And he throws, I'm going to call a changeup, low in the zone, 3-1. and one. Looks like he's really trying to pitch around Gary, which um, is interesting, only because that's not how we've seen a lot of pitchers pitch to Gary recently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, he lifts that oh. one up, takes a ride in the sky to right into left field as Lourdes Gurriel Jr. gets weirdly down on his knees to make that catch um, for the second out. So uh, just off the end of the bat, I can't hear it because we have the game muted, but it's how at least it appeared. Uh, had he gotten a little bit more wood on it, it seemed as though he had the ball relatively squared up, but that's not the way it goes. Makes the out. Good swing, poor contact. That's what it is. That's baseball, my friend. Two outs here on the bottom of the fifth. As Jay Bruce, who's only one to start this game, is up, takes ball outside for ball one. We have yet to see any of these tennis balls put into play yet with the Yankees this year. Clearly, Rob Manfred not listening to our podcast. Nope. 
No, he's not. Uh, Rob Manfred, I'm not oh, sure, listens to anybody. Camera angles in the middle of that pitch. Yeah, fuck Thank that. You. That was awful. <laughs> totally didn't catch what the hell that pitch was, but it's a 3 0 count on Bruce. That was bullshit. <laughs> oh, well. It's one pitch. It's one pitch out of several hundred pitches we're going to get in this game. Razru delivers right down the pipe. Still went with the. Uh, with an off-speed pitch, even though uh, Bruce looked like he had zero interest in swinging at whatever was going to come out. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bruce and his bench spot once Luke Foyt comes back from injury in a few weeks as he swings at a inside but still in the strike zone, uh, 85 mile an hour, what I'm going to guess is again a changeup from uh, Rue chopping it foul. Um Count even uh, fills up now at three and two. Mm. And Rue digs in, takes his pitch, and inside for ball four. That's only the third base runner of the day for the Yankees and the, I think, sixth overall for the game. It's been seventh. It's been very quiet. Um, But Bruce is a lefty bat, something the Yankees don't have a lot of. And uh, unfortunately, he plays a... He plays first base, which just isn't a position of priority, which means that Tyler Wade is likely to hang on to his bench spot, even though watching him play baseball is sad and unfortunate. (laughs) Do the Yankees expect Luis Severino back later on this season? Yeah, I believe he's due back right around the All-Star break. Uh, That's a good break for them. Yeah, the Yankees will have a number of decent, you know, like mini acquisitions over the course of the season, getting back their starting first baseman in Luke Voigt their uh, potential number two pitcher with Luis Severino and the back end of the bullpen guy in Zach Britton. So if the Yankees can hang on and perform reasonably well over the course of the start of the season, they're only going to be getting their more talented guys coming back in as the, as the year goes on. Was Severino a guy you were able to snag in fantasy this year? Yes, I was. I drafted him probably a little bit high, but I wanted him. Um. We each both got our injured pitchers for the long-term return. Myself picking up Mike Clevenger Ah. very late in like the 28th round. It was a weird draft. It was such a weird draft. Very, very weird draft. I don't think Chris Sale went until the 30th round. It was a guy that I was looking at and just uh, kind of forgot about it. Oh, okay. So hold on. Uh, So Frazier in a 2-1 count chopped a ball over to third. Slow roller, third baseman got to it, threw it over to Guerrero in time, but our first base ump ruled that Guerrero came off the bag. Let's look at this on replay. Mm. Tough to tell from the first angle we got. The ball definitely appeared to get there in time. And the second angle, he did. Now, this is going to be Guerrero's first full season at first base as they're changing his position. so expect a little bit of a, of a learning curve with it. Obviously, while first base is considered one of the defensively least important positions, it's still playing professional baseball at a high level, and it's still very difficult. Um, but yeah, on that angle, you definitely see Guerrero's foot not on the bag. So this will likely be ruled an error um, on uh, an E3, an error on Guerrero, as hmm. uh, he otherwise, he, Frazier, otherwise would have been out. I don't know 
if I would have figured that uh, pulling your phone off the bag like that would be considered an error, but it makes sense if it is. Yeah, because, you know, you got to, with, with errors, you got to think to yourself, had everything gone right, what would have happened? And with what did happen, whose fault is it? So had everything gone right, Frazier would have been out because the ball beat him to the bag. And then, the, so right, right, right away, we know it's an error because had everything gone right, he would have been out. So now it's who do you assign blame to? Well, the throw was on target, number one, and number two was in time. So we can't really blame the third baseman. So since it was a result of the foot coming off the bag, it's going to end up going against the receiver, which in this case is our first baseman. The umps just got together and officially ruled on it after watching replays down in Chelsea, um, just a just a hundred or so blocks south um, of the Yankee Stadium, that it was in fact, uh, Frazier was in fact safe. The official scorer has ruled as a single. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Giving a, a nice little break to our boy Vladdy Daddy. And and also to Frazier. You know, looks better. So now the Yankees have two runners on for the first time so far this game. And uh, DJ LeMahieu up. The machine taking a ball inside for ball one. I have to imagine to some extent the ruling of the error has taken the fact that it was a bang bang play into account. I I'm wondering Ooh, if it's because stop. and Simeon uh, able to get him out at first. Sorry, took over for you a little bit there. Yeah, I think you're still like a like a split second ahead of me, which we're not going to worry about. But uh, yeah, I liked I like Guerrero pointing at the first base ump like fucking rule for me, you dumb bitch, and then he did, and he was like, all right. Um, yeah, it's it, it's. The other part, just going back to the error, is whether or not the speed of Frazier, how much he was hustling, gets pulled into consideration there. Um, because if you can force, in my mind, it's still an error, but if you can force the mistake, it, it could be seen in, in, I guess, in some form of logic as you still earned the hit. Uh, again, I would still say that since he would have been out otherwise, that should be an error. But I guess I can, in some in some way, see what um, what they were talking about with it. Do 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 baseball. All right, so we're heading into the top of the sixth inning, Corwin. We did say we'd reevaluate after the fourth, and then we didn't. Do you want to keep going with the play-by-play stuff, or just bring this into conversation mode? Um, you know, I wouldn't be against, you know, it hasn't, it's, let's piece my uh, sentences together before I start talking. Uh, I think it's kind of eased into it a little bit better. It's, uh, it's something where we're not necessarily calling each play and we're still having some good conversations throughout. We don't need to call every single pitch. This is not a New York Yankees broadcast. So, um, you know, keeping it going the way we've been going, I, you know, I have nothing against that right now. Um, I'm fine just having conversations when they arise and, and calling the plays as we see them. All right, cool. Well, it's an even inning, so you'll be the one calling the plays. Well, in that case, I changed my answer completely. We should stop this immediately. 
bitch. That I am. All right, I'll be right back. Josh leaving the broadcast like I have done multiple times already, but that makes him a little bitch because of double standards. So I'm left here alone to just talk to myself. I'm a little panicked. I do not know what to say. So I'm just going to sit here and just keep talking until he returns and can alleviate some of this pressure. Uh, so how are you guys doing today? Listening in, watching some baseball. I'm sure there's some people, you know, watching this game live that they'll see at some point. You know, I took off work to be here. Josh took a half day to be here. It's a good day for baseball. Beautiful day out. 60 and sunny here in Allentown, PA, as Bichette takes the mound, takes the plate, excuse me, 96-mile-an-hour fastball, middle and outside, 0-2 count. Garrett Cole up to 86 pitches with Chase Green warming up in the pen. I think his name is Chase. I don't really know for certain. That is a question for Josh, but seeing as he left, we're dead here, dead in the water until he returns. Chad Green. I'm gonna go with Chad Green. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what Josh says about that. Third pitch to Bichette from Cole. Slider in the dirt outside. Good enough for a strikeout as Bichette cannot hold the swing. Eight strikeouts already. I don't know if you saw Joshua, but Chad Green is warming up in the pen as Cole is now up to 89 pitches in the sixth. Teoscar Hernandez up one for two so far with the single in the second inning. Scored a run. The only run for Toronto so far as they are still down one to two. So I'm guessing if they're bringing up green. And Teoscar takes an 87 mile an hour pitch down the heart of the plate deep for a solo home run to tie this game at two. Both home we runs. Talked about his, I'm sorry. <laughs> You got both home runs. I'm jealous. <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez, we talked about his power earlier this game. Holding true. Showing it off here as he hits that into the back of the lower deck. Yeah, underrated Just outfielder. Long ball right over the heart of the plate. Cole very unhappy with that, obviously, as you would expect. Yeah, it looks like T. Oscar Hernandez might have been cheating for a fastball there and kind of ended up with a breaking pitch that didn't break because um, he was really out early on it and then just got all of it. Great swing. Great great adjustment on it uh, to, just get, to just get every fucking bit of it. But... If Chad Green's warming up, I have to assume that the Yankees thinking here is we want to keep this game as close as we can and hope the offense catches up. So we'll bring in our highest leverage or our most trustworthy guy early. Hope that the Yankees can string together some hits and runs and whatnot. Um, not hit and runs, but like hits and also runs. Um, Absolutely. Or what have you. And then bring in some low with the pitch coming. Low sinker? Curveball? Probably knuckle curve. Knuckle curve, 80 miles an hour at the bottom of the strike zone, centered over the plate, fouled off by Vladdy. Yeah, at 93 pitches, you you got to assume this is probably going to be the last inning for Cole. Um, there's just no point in extending him that far this early in the season, especially, I mean, if this was like the eighth inning, 
and Cole like wanted the ninth, even if he's at a hundred pitches, maybe you let him because he's your ace and you trust him and he can, but there's no point having a pitch the seventh. If he's already at a hundred pitches, he's not finishing the game. So got to imagine this is it. Wow. Fastball with a ton of life on it, but outside for ball three, fill up the count. Full count for Guerrero jr. Cole with 95 pitches so far, one out top of the sixth. Fouled off 98 mile an hour fastball, low in the zone. Keeping alive. Good signs from Cole, 96 pitches into this. He's still able to touch 95. Or was it 98? I forget now. Math is hard. Reading is hard. Memory, also hard. Everything is difficult. Everything is hard. Ooh. Missed outside, but some good movement on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Looks like Aaron Boone is coming out, and that will be the end of Garrett Cole's day. All things yeah. considered, very nice opening day for him. Yep, we saw we saw the solo homers, which has been a thing for Cole going back to his time in Houston. Uh, not the biggest deal, if, if we're being honest. It doesn't really matter that much, especially this early in the season. But, uh, you know, two-run ball game. For his first outing, uh, this won't qualify as a quality start because he did not pitch six innings. But still, this is this is a this is a decent outing. This is a good outing from the Yankees' ace. It's not. It's by far from uh, his best work or even close to what he's capable of doing. But this is still, you know, again, you got to think about this as somewhere between full-on regular season baseball and spring training. The, the these first couple games of the year, so. I'm I'm content. It's not his best work, but if this is the worst we're going to see him, it's pretty fucking good. Eight strikeouts, eight strikeouts through five innings, five and a third. Not a bad day at the office. Yeah, obviously Cole's gonna be mad at himself, but still, goddamn. How many walks has he had so far this game? Josh humming along to the theme song to Larry David's show curbed your enthusiasm. Curb it. Um, Cole had two walks. So Cole ends the day uh, five and a third innings, five hits, two runs, both of which were earned two walks, eight strikeouts, one home run allowed. And we'll start off his season with a 3.38 ERA as Chad Green comes in. Cole tossed 97 pitches, 62 of which were strikes. Not a bad start. Not a bad opening day for Garrett Cole all around. I would say it would be promising, but at the end of the day, that's not really something you could kind of attach to Garrett Cole. You kind of know what you're getting. You don't need to... uh, have any of that promise it's more expectations than anything it's also it's also just wild how fast this game is moving we are uh just under two hours in and we're already in this uh, actually no i guess this game's moving at a pretty normal pace i got i maybe i'm just excited and it feels like it's moving fast which again not a bad thing I also like it is. Oh, he is beating himself up in the bullpen or in the dugout as Garrett Cole uh, bashes his 
uh, glove on the bench before going into the tunnel. All right, here's Chad Green. He's been a workhorse for the Yankees out of the bullpen. Grounded to Urshela. Looks like they will have the double play. Urshela to LeMahieu to Bruce. I just have to get used to saying that. <laughs> I wanted to say Voight, and I was like, no, it's wrong. Yeah. Beautiful start for Chad Green. Chad Green, one pitch, two outs. If only that could happen on every play. Imagine if it could, though. Well, you know, if the MLB would just implement my two, my my one pitch, two strikeout policy. <laughs> All right, Josh, what are your predictions for this next inning? Or at bottom of the inning? I nope. genuinely have forgotten. I've lost track of everything. I can tell. Uh, you That's know, what it, happens when you fall into a Twitter trap. So the Yankees are coming down. It's going to be uh, Judge Hick Stanton, and you know these guys just got to do something. Got to. We're going to be in the bottom of the sixth here, and Ryu's pitch count is great, and they have to fix that. Um, it the pitching for the Blue Jays is not good. But if you let Ryu get really deep into this game, the way that he is currently positioned to do, the Blue Jays pitching will only get better. The sooner you get to any team's bullpen, the weaker pitching you're going to ultimately face. And the bottom end of the Blue Jays bullpen is awful. Or I guess the top end, however you want to orient yourself within quality. Um, each in Each inning that Ryu gets to pitch the marginal difference between Ryu and whoever would have pitched that inning as a result of Ryu getting pulled gets smaller and smaller and smaller. The Yankees have to find a way to get into the bullpen. That's really all there is to it. Can they hit Ryu? Sure. The Yankees lineup can hit anybody, but they have better odds of hitting some random fucking guy from the bullpen than they do second place Cy Young finishing Hunjin Ryu, the best Korean pitcher in baseball. innings pitched with 97 pitches, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts for the Yankees ace. All things considered, very good outing for him. Not the best that you would expect, but definitely enough to have a great outing as Aaron Judge hits one right up the middle and is on base. Yeah, that's the the, only the third Yankees hit of the day. Outside of the two hits the Yankees got in the second off the bats of Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez. Um, oh, no, the Frazier one counts as a single, I guess. So fourth Yankee I hit of the day. It does. Yeah. Only technically. Only technically. <laughs> Only in every conceivable way. So the Yankees are starting to get some more action here against Ryu. Either, you know, maybe they're seeing him a little bit better. Um, they're definitely putting together more competitive at-bats. Bruce working that walk. Uh, let's see what Aaron Hicks can do here. I uh, I was so happy to get Aaron Hicks in our draft. I think I got him in like the 28th round or something like that. Something Which way too low. Yeah. I know he's not the flashiest ridiculous player. Ridiculous but... draft. Very stupid. Oh, God. That draft was bizarre. 
Well, I want to see what round the first prospect was taken then, because I'm I'm curious. I think it was Wander Franco in like the fifth or sixth. It might have been earlier than that. Oh wow, this board sucks. Hold on, I'm gonna download the spreadsheet. Hicks already in the 2-0 count, which is just what he does, man. Fouls off pitch inside, 2-1. Not a whole lot of left-handed pitchers in the bullpen for the Yankees. Again, kind of difficult for me to say how much that will affect them this season. Well, I, I will say I still can't get past the fact that Kyle Tucker got taken 40th overall. Um, mm -hmm. It still just makes no sense. But 2-2 two, two count for Hicks. I can't count that as a prospect, I guess, since he's probably going to be starting. Most definitely will be starting in the outfield yeah. for the Astros this year, Kyle Tucker. Hicks, weak grounder to third base, beats out the double play. So Judge out at second, Hicks now on at first, one out, bottom of the sixth. Rue up to 92 pitches with John Carlos Stanton up to bat. Yeah, you were right. It was Wander Franco, but in the fourth. Wander mm. Franco, 56th overall, drafted right ahead of George Springer. And then Spencer Torkelson got taken 61st overall. Wander, I'm not terribly surprised by. I can definitely get behind that. Uh, Spencer Torkelson at, at 67, you said? 61, with then Adley Rushman at 63. I mean, people that might see some time, but not significant this year. No. Again, those are building for the future, which I can fully support. Uh, that being said, you know, some of those guys, Rushman, you know, very good prospect. Torkelson, very good prospect. Wander Franco, though, I think is a, a, a full head ahead of those guys, uh, which I'd be a little more comfortable with, especially since he's definitely going to have his debut at some point this season, uh, depending on how the Rays do, possibly sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think it's an overestimation of future value as compared to present value. But I, I so like I understand the need to build for the future. Um, at the same time, I mean, you're going to want to win in at some point. Like, you shouldn't – I, in my opinion, in my opinion, there's no need to take a three-year perspective on your team. You're going to want to, as a human being, win earlier, and there will always be more prospects to draft. Who was the first prospect you took? I didn't take any prospects for a while. Um because I wanted a, a, a win now-ish team. Um, I personally look. ended up going with uh, C.J. Abrams very early on. Yeah, let me look at my draft. Uh, round 10. Oh, that's draft picks. Uh, I think he's a guy who may be able to have his cup of coffee depending on how well he does in the minors this year uh, towards the end of the season, possibly when rosters expand. 
Um, if we do see an injury to Fernando Tatis, um, that is a possibility. Tyler Chatwood now coming in for the Blue Jays to pitch. Uh, the Padres do have some very good depth, uh, especially on the infield with Jake Cronenworth being a utility guy that they can play everywhere. And um, Kim coming in from Japan as someone who uh, uh, actually, he may have come in from Korea. I actually need to verify that. I believe it's Korea. Corwin showing his racism today. I apologize to all the Southeast Asian fans of the podcast and baseball fans in general. Kim Ha Song coming over from the KBO. Yeah, Korean baseball organization. So it depends on how you want to classify prospects. So Casey Mize was my first, like, he's super young guy pick. But he'll but, be starting the season. I was going to say, he should be starting. Same thing with Kristen Pache. Uh, same thing with Michael Kopech. Same thing with Tony Gonsolin. Big swing and a miss for Giancarlo Stanton, as he is now one and two. I guess Austin Hayes is probably no. He's starting the season with the major in the majors too. Mm-hmm. Willie Adamas is Quinn Priester. Then I guess is my first prospect. Prospect. Josh, I genuinely may try to make a trade with you for Austin Hayes just because of how awful my outfield is right now. Um, well, I desperately need corner corner infielders, so I drafted Luke Boyd knowing he was hurt and thought that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't, you know, I can deal with the fact that he's hurt. Um, and then I forgot to draft anybody else who can play first base. Hey, if you have interest in uh, as Drupal Carrera, Cabrera, excuse me, corner infielder that I have. Possibly. Oh, I, I drafted Yuli Gurriel, who also plays corner infield. But the problem is with Voight Hurt, my only other two corner infielders are Gurriel and Gio Rochella, which means that I have a corner infield spot that just isn't full with like no one to play it. I picked up Evan Longoria off the waiver wire, which I think mm. I'll be able to get by on, but whatever. Um, Stanton is up to bat with the one, two count after we've talked about fantasy baseball for a while. <laughs> uh, so still, still a man on still one out. Sky really clearing up after it was seemed uncertain whether this game would get played a little while ago as Stanton just swings out of the zone an outside pitch to uh, get the strikeout. Two outs here. Damn near reaching to the opposing batter's box. Just got fooled on the slider. Great pitch from Tyler Chatwood. Labor Torres now up to bat. The pitch coming in. Popped up foul ball. Now again, seeing this kind of behind the batter, off to the right. Uh camera angle making it very difficult to see where contact is made doesn't really help with seeing movement of the pitch itself as much as i'd like to see uh you know a change up not a change up as a pitch but a change up of where the angle we are viewing these angles yeah. uh, it's definitely not one that i appreciate to the fullest extent um not a favorite I'm telling you, man, put a put a fucking GoPro or some shit on the on the ump. People say on the catcher, but I think the angle might be a little bit wonky, and the catcher moves a lot. 
over the like we just saw the catcher kind of like do mm-hmm. like a little side to side motion. I think that might be too disorienting. Ups obviously move as well, but for the most part, they kind of stay in that like you know broad stance for a lot of it. And I think that would be a little bit more stable. Plus, the height I think might be a little bit more natural. Um, put it, put it, put it on the mic. I really genuinely would not want to be interfering with the catchers and their process as much as that I assume would impact them umpires on the other hand are essentially useless to begin with so i would very much be okay with just fucking with their shit fucking with that shit indeed uh Too tyler chatwood's been looking great so far with that shit. really good movement uh looking looking very deceptive let's take a look at tyler tyler yeah tyler tatwood let's take a look tyler at tyler tatwood let's take a look at tyler chatwood's uh player profile see what kind of picture picture he is um so as as a pitcher, his fastball spin rate is in the 97th percentile, and his curveball spin rate likewise is in the 96th percentile. He has a pretty strong K percent in the 77th percentile and is in the 69th percentile on whiff percent. However, everything else outside of that uh, in 2020, Tyler Chatwood really struggled with. Um, 17th percentile on exit velocity, 20th percentile on hard hit, um, 18th percentile on expected batting average, 28th percentile and expected slugging 19th percentile uh, barrel percent. So it seems as though a lot of the underlying performance metrics, he's doing really well. And spin rate is what leads to um, getting strikeouts and, and getting weak contact. But it appears as though it's just not quite connecting with reality as he's getting touched up quite a bit. Um, he's 31. He's not new to the game, but mm-hmm. uh it seems as though if the Blue Jays could just focus in maybe a bit on his command, um, the stuff seems to be there. And especially just from looking at this very brief beginning to his outing here, the stuff is clearly there. It's just a matter of kind of honing in on it and getting the desired result out of it. He doesn't throw hard. His average, um, the average mile per hour on his fastball is only 94. Um, it's still faster than who was just in Hunjin Ru. It's it's actually a f- increase in speed just compared to the last batter we just saw. But still, so he works the count full for Glaber Torres, three and two. I definitely got distracted there a little bit just by looking at both of our teams trying to. Seeing as it is the first day of baseball we drafted two days ago, I'm already trying to put together some big movement trades with you, Josh, just because, God, that is the best thing about baseball is moving guys around. Yes, that's what everyone looks forward to about baseball, moving guys around. Yeah, who cares about hitters? Who cares about pitchers? Who cares about prospects? It's all about the trades. It's about move. No, it's not about the trades. It's about moving guys. Moving guys. Just move them. Trade, bump them up, drop them down, move them up and down to different minor levels. Well, Just so far, move those guys. So far, my hitters have accumulated negative four fantasy points. Nice, 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 nice. nice. Um, but my pitching has gotten me six. Thanks, Kenta Maeda. I have no idea what my team has done so far, and that's okay with me. G. Rochella up. 0-2 on the day. Hits a bit of a dribbler. 
to third base. Cannot beat out the throw. That'll be out three, bottom of the sixth. As we move into the seventh, Tyler Chatwood with a clean inning. It was a really good uh, defensive play by Vlad Guerrero Jr. taking what was a very rushed throw by Kevin Biggio, who probably had a little bit more time than he gave himself, but they definitely want to get themselves out of the inning, keep base runners um, being, from being able to do any damage. Already had two guys on. Um, so that was but a great play by Vlad Guerrero being able to kind of wrangle that um, awkward position for where the, the bounce from that throw ended up coming in from. It's a good play. And it was a good quick release by Biggio. Just, just not, it's not, a, not a great throw, but he got it there, and that's what counts. Which is as much as you could ask for, all things considered. Awful things considered. Awful, oh. awful things considered. I want to overreact to my fantasy team, but I'm not going to because, uh, like, two games have happened. It's just here's not worth a, it yet. Here's a potential trade that, you know, all things considered would be all things considered. Both of our fifth round picks. You need a corner infielder. I need an outfielder. You drafted Yonder Alonso. I drafted Paul Goldschmidt. Could be something to build off of. Who are you talking about? Do you mean Jordan Alvarez? Yeah, what I say? Yonder Alonso. Yeah, I'll trade you Paul Goldschmidt for Yonder Alonso. That is definitely the trade I uh, was meaning to talk about. Baseball. Yeah. Gotta love first baseman, 33-year-old Yonder Alonso, who I'm not sure is <laughs> in the majors anymore. <laughs> I'm fairly certain he retired. Have not seen him play since 2019. <laughs> after playing with the Indians. Uh, last Maybe down to Oakland. I know he... He played for two different teams in 2019. He played for the Colorado Rockies to start the season and then ended the year with the White Sox. Okay. All right. That's, yeah, definitely not Yonder Alonso. Interesting. <laughs> oh, well. All right. So let's see who ends up pitching in the uh, top of the yeah, seventh Jason year for the Hayward Yankees. On my team. As uh, Chad Green finished out the sixth. You can go too. Be interesting to see with the day off tomorrow how the Yankees decide to play their bullpen. Um, whether they want to churn through guys to get people comfortable with pitching or just kind of get people used to their standard usage, as it looks like the second one is likely what they're going to go with here as Chad Green gets tapped to start the seventh here. Pitches one right down the gut, 95, strike one on Rowdy Telez, who was 0 for 2 on the day with a pop out and a fly out. Rowdy Telez, very big, and yet has not put it together, and that ruins the whole concept of giant people playing baseball. Williams Astudio. As he just rockets that into the sky, straight up. (laughs) Geo back for it, makes the catch first out on a – Two pitches for Chad Green. Chad Green has thrown t- Chad Green has thrown three pitches so far this afternoon and has gotten three outs <laughs> against two batters. Not ideal. And it's very ideal for Chad Green. It is not <laughs> ideal for the Toronto Blue Jays, who um, I want to say have had no success against Chad Green so far today. They have there have been two people who have faced Chad Green. It's a little bit unfair to the Blue Jays to say that. As Grichuk digs in, also over two, takes a curveball in the zone, strike one, bitch. Michael Phelps 
in the bullpen for the Blue Jays. Swimming Feichel his way melts. to victory today. Smoking doobies in the outfield. Chagrin doobies. Chagrin doing the, the, the horizontal ladder idea, which has slowly progressed yourself farther and farther out of the zone, but went comically far out of the zone on that second curveball. Not even close. Um, just okay. Tries for the fastball. Uh, misses the corner by quite a bit. Ball two. He's been efficient this year. He could afford to lose a pitch or two. Yeah, Ooh. you know, you got to throw more than fastballs um, at some point in your career. And Chad Green's going to work that on that. man some pine tar. His command is not here today. Whew. Very high. Chin level, but uh, close to the heart of the play. Grichik did not have to get out of the way or anything. Ball three, three and one count here on Grichik. Uh, I don't know. Do you think he swings at this, this next one? Or do you think he's take all the way I do. before command? I think he takes a 96 mile an hour fastball down the center. All right, let's find out. The pitch, 96 mile an hour fastball and down the center. You were ahead of me, aren't you? I'm a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can find the remote. And, uh, I'm wondering if the, the um, if my broadcast is like slightly slower, like with the, the commercial coming back from commercial breaks, because sometimes for whatever reason apps do that on my TV. And I don't fully get it. <clears throat> like the commercial All breaks right, will push you farther. Than Springer's probably resume. <clears throat> yep. As we get a single from Randall Grichuk straight up the middle. Hard hit just past the reach of Gleyber Torres, who was there, just couldn't come up with it because the ball was hit pretty hard. Also took a kind of a funky bounce away from him. Um, at least that's what it looked like live. Let's see if we can get a replay. Gritchick on first, one man out, one man on. Top of the seventh. The very athletic-looking Danny Jansen <laughs> steps up. Although he is one for two, single in the fifth. Counts for something. Chad Green deals in curveball high. Oh, uh, 1-0. As the bad boy sprints across the field in the background. <laughs> Let me know when you see Chad Green pitch. He came to set. He's holding and wind up and pitch. All right. We should be synced up now, at least. 96 miles an hour in the opposing batter's box. Gary Sanchez makes quite a stab at it to get it. Definitely seemed like that's not where that pitch was supposed to go based on how far Gary Sanchez had to move his glove to get there. Um, so definitely, definitely some command issues here um, in Chad Green's first full inning of work. 2-0 count. That one's down the middle, another fastball. San Sanchez. Um, Jansen can't quite catch up to it in on the hands a little bit on the swing fouled it back for a two, one count. I would really hate if this game went to extra innings. Uh, if we had our extra innings rule that we talked about with Emily Nyman earlier this off season, talking baseball, that would be pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting our stable of guests that we trotted out early on, um, to come back once we have some more actual baseball Get M back in, talk about some Yanks shit. Uh, same thing with uh, with Keith. Get Max back in and talk about some pitching breakout guys. Talk about some cool shit going on. Yeah, man. Yeah, Good I can't job. wait for my daily tradition of starting my day with some pitcher list articles. Getting back in the groove of things there. 
I would like to shout out Max Greenfield once again for sponsoring two, count them, two of my fantasy draft picks this year. <laughs> really? Yeah, Which I uh, Tony Gonsolin, because because Max has been preaching the gospel of Gonsolin <laughs> um, for a while. And Freddie Peralta, as uh, Max had published an article in Pitcher List about Freddie Peralta as a possible breakout candidate um, whose stock is on the rise. And I had a draft slot all primed up and ready for him. So I figured I'd. Uh, I thought this was. <laughs> oh, Jose Casenko, you beautiful bastard. Catch him at the Showtime car wash between 1 and 2 p.m. 3 1 count dealt down the middle. Popped up DJ LeMay, who goes back for it, fighting the sun, calls everyone off and makes the catch for the second out of the inning as Gritchick goes back to first. Two out, one on here on the top of the seventh. Game still tied 2-2. Chad Green, not his cleanest, most efficient work, but still putting it together. This is still a a very nice outing from the um, reliable pitcher, who's typically finds himself in the back end of the Yankees bullpen, but it's coming out here early to try to hold this game right here at two, give the Yankees bats a better chance of scoring some runs before they bring in some of the other guys, more recent, recent acquisitions. It's been starting off with that curveball a lot here, not in the zone much tough to tell if that's on purpose or, or, or not um, since they've been pretty much the same spot. So throws that curveball high for a one Oh count on Simeon to start off this at-bat as well, much like he did the previous two. <clears throat> Not a lot of pickoff attempts because there hasn't been a lot of base runners. It hasn't been much conversation about the uh, size of the bases with yet either. Too, not too much in the way of like true bang-bang plays. There's a pickoff attempt. Well, isn't that minor leagues only this year? It was, but I was wondering if we could if we could see where it might be effective here. You know, Understood. if uh, so, in theory, if they were going with the new minor league rules right now, that would be one of the two pickoff attempts Chad Green would be allotted in this at bat. So if he throws a second time, as Simeon fouls off the second pitch of the at bat, one and one. Yeah, because I'm just wondering what it would look like if it if it came into play. Which again, it just hasn't because there's been so few base runners. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. Know, is Gritchick fast? Does he have to worry about Gritchick? I don't think so. I, I'm going to pull up his baseball savant page, but I want you yep. to tell me there it is. As Gary Sanchez comes up, makes the play out. At second, as Gritchick tries to steal a bag, as the Blue Jays try to get something going here to put a runner in scoring position, but unfortunately, you can't beat the rocket arm of Gary Sanchez as he catches Gritchick with an amazing throw to the shifted DJ LeMayhew at second um, on the money to get Gritchick right on the shoulder, make the out at second, and to end the inning as we go to the bottom of the seventh. Um, Gritchick's sprint speed is in the 71st percentile. Yeah, pretty good. The real-life Kraken, if it is real, has eight arms. Gary Sanchez only has two, but he's making the most of it with that throw and pickoff. Yeah, so Gritchick's outfielder jump is the 31st percentile, and that's how quick you get kind of set in your route, um, mm-hmm. you know, how how quick you are to, to starting 
to chase down a fly ball. And I wonder if that can be extract. Like, I wonder if, how useful that would be for um, a stolen base metric. Like how quick are you to st- start your steal? How well-timed is the start of your steal? Cause you know, it doesn't come down to just sprint speed. If you, if you, if you're a hair too late in starting your steal, you're probably going to end up getting caught because mm-hmm. you just started to listen, you know, at, at, at some point, I'm not sure where, but at some point you're the longer you wait, the, no matter how fast you are, it's just, you're not getting the bag. And, um, you know, that's going to come down to, I don't want to say like an intelligence thing, but like a, a heads up playmaking understanding of who the pitcher is like a scouting kind of thing. That's going to be an eye test thing to kind of catch a pitcher at the beginning of their delivery to the point where they just can't go to pick you off anymore um, to pick your, to pick that schnoz anymore. Uh, Cause I would imagine that that matters just as much as. Hey, I'm listening to the fucking song. Oh, beautiful. First patient skies. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to get my slap shot quote in there. Whenever the national anthems played. Whenever the mood strikes you. Uh. All right. So let's take a look at this uh this Blue Jays relief this Blue Jays bullpen and see what else they might have up their sleeves for pitching. So so far we've already seen uh, Tyler Chatwood. Now, Tyler Chatwood, per fan graphs, is only expected to accumulate 0.1 war this season um, on the back of 65 innings pitched. So he is anticipated on getting the most innings pitched in the bullpen, but not necessarily being the most productive member of the bullpen. Um, due to the their predicted innings usage, I would say maybe we'll see Tyler Chatwood again here in the bottom of the seventh before going to what looks like um, maybe Jordan Romano, who is expected to be their second highest war guy, but is the highest war guy of all the healthy people. Um, but this bullpen is bizarre. We've got David Phelps, Ryan Barutsky, David Michael Phelps, uh, Ross Stripling, Julian Merriweather, Tim Mesa, Trent Thornton, AJ Cole forgot he existed. Joel Pyamps, Ty Rice, Ty Tice, sorry. Anthony Castro, Davis Bergen, Kirby Sneed, and then injured are uh, Raphael Dolis, Anthony Kay, Thomas Hatch, um, and Patrick Murphy. That's just a bunch of names. Absolutely. I can't say I even know who a fair chunk of those guys are. Yeah, because. You know, there's there's no name in there where you go, ah, oh, fuck, we got to face that guy, or ah, oh, fuck, we better get a run in there before we have to face that guy. You know, if you're uh, you know, when the Yankees used to play the Red Sox when when Craig Kimbrell was on the team, you know, that was the guy. Like we have to get, score our runs before we get to Kimbrell because when he's on, he's on, and like, you just can't count on runs against that guy the mm-hmm. way you could maybe at least have a higher percent likelihood of getting runs against somebody else. And I'm just not sure if the Blue Jays have a guy like that, because I don't, I'm not afraid of any of those names. 
Does anyone? Um, no. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I now see the value in uh in the commercial break. It's needed just to not be able to have to be on 24/7, even though that's not exactly what we're doing now, but I imagine for these guys actually up there doing it full time that uh commercial break is a much needed much needed break. Well, I've also as I've been posing yourself and and stats and and things to just discuss. I've also been thinking as we've been doing this about the the you know the two ways in which most people consume their their baseball, which is commentary on the game on TV versus commentary with the radio, and we're like combining both, which I think is overextending ourselves. Um, but it's been interesting because when you're watching games on TV, the commentators don't call every pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll just talk over the pitch and then make some points about certain pitches or, you know, the play-by-play guy will do play-by-play for a bit and then have a conversation and then cut back into the action when necessary. And then we're listening on the radio. There's a lot less conversation and there's a lot more silence so that the play-by-play guy can be ready to call every pitch because that's the point of listening to it on the radio. Uh, and we're kind of balancing both here, although uh, we've, we've been leaning on, I think as this has been going on, we've been slowly doing a more TV style uh, even though this is a radio broadcast, technically, uh, as Gary Sanchez in a one-one count just scoots out of the way of a very inside pitch delivered by David Phelps. So we have switched up the pitchers um, from the Toronto bullpen. Jonathan Luizaga warming for the Yankees. Uh, you'd expect to see him get a clean inning at the uh, top of the eighth once we get there. Um, Gary Sanchez currently in a two-one count and a sharp hit uh, scooped up by. Bo Bichette thrown in, but not in time on the money throw, but just from his knees and just wasn't able to get enough behind it. Um, as Gary Sanchez, not the world's fastest runner, manages to beat it out at first. Good hustle from Gary. Great hustle from Bo Bichette. Great range to his right. Good, accurate throw, just not quite hard enough to catch the uh, speedster that is Gary Sanchez. So Gary having himself a day. He's got a, he's got a, a, a caught stealing. With a, with, a, with a great throw. He's got a home run, and here's a single. He's two for three on the day. He's looking good. Not too shabby. Not too flabby. Jay Bruce coming in to hit now. Uh, takes a ball that dove out of the zone as uh, as a ball, even though the, uh, the scientists and mathematicians at, at MLB would probably call that a strike, but Say la vie. As you would, naturally. Yeah. Second strike came in. Uh, 89 mile an hour change down the middle. Bruce fouls it away. Yeah, Jay Bruce, if if he stays with this team, is going to be a guy that you go like, hey, did you know that Jay Bruce is on the 2021 New York Yankees? And you'd be like, wait, really? Jay Bruce? He's that guy. He is. Watch him fuck around and just get an all-star appearance. Please. Please. (laughs) Like, that'll be the day. Ball two, low and away on Bruce. Yankees got one one runner on. Nobody out here so far. If the Yankees can get past Bruce um, without making an out, they'll have uh, a pretty nice threesome of Frazier, 
Uh, LeMahieu and Judge, if Bruce makes this out, which he just did, strikes out in a foul tip strikeout. Oh, never mind. Sorry, that was only strike two. Shit. Actually, I'm surprised it took me this long to fuck up the count. <laughs> to be fair, I watched him take that step out of the batter's box. I thought he struck out as well. Yeah. Um, if he makes an out, though, he's still got Frazier followed by LeMahieu. That's a pretty oh. mean. Oh, oh, as he drives this one deep in the air Ooh. to the warning track and caught by Teoscar Hernandez. Gave that ball a ride not quite far enough to reach the short porch in Yankee Stadium as he just got to that kind of right center field mark where the stadium stops being kind of a short porch and is more so normal in its... um a little bit more normal in its actual dimensions, but I will say they are showing Jay Bruce a lot uh, now in the dugout. He looks like he is a member of the coaching staff. Yeah. He looks 50. Yeah. He looks like he could be friends with my dad and my dad is turning 60 this year. Yeah. He does not look his healthiest, not the best shape of his life season as Clint Frazier digs in against David Phelps and takes strike one. Okay. What was Uh, that reaction from Clint Frazier? He's like, oh, you fucking idiot. That ball was so inside. Um, But I can't say anything. It's too early in the season to get tossed. So instead, I'm just going to make it grimace. My best impersonation of a lion roaring. Now, that ball was outside by just as much, just in on the opposite end and gets called a ball. So... Who the fuck knows? Are inconsistent. Truly, yeah, just remarkable work by whoever is back there. All right, David Phelps delivers low and away. Frazier doesn't bite. Two and one. Yankees definitely seems as though they're putting together some nicer at bats since uh, Hunjin Ru got out of the game, which is to be expected with much worse competition in this uh, Blue Jays bullpen. You also got to wonder who the fuck is going to be throwing against the Yankees tomorrow or um, on Saturday. Uh, As uh, Phelps delivers inside, Frazier gives that ball a ride. It's high, but it is shallow in though, as Bouchette lost it in the sun and couldn't quite catch up to it for the basket catch. So Frazier's ball dunks into shallow left field for a hit. He goes to first. Sanchez scurries over to second as they just can't catch that speedy, speedy man, Gary Sanchez. <laughs> um, that speedy, speedy man. So the Yankees are going to have two runners on and only one out as we approach, as we're in the top of the order now with DJ LeMahieu up to bat, which means that unless he uh, grounds into a double play, we will also get an appearance from Aaron Judge with some runners in scoring position here. Um, DJ LeMahieu having a very un lemayhu like start to his season here, 0-3 um, so far in the year, which is very, again, unlike our singles hitting machine, DJ LeMahieu. Wait, you know, looking, looking forward, uh, it looks like, I guess because of the injuries to Robbie Ray and Nate Pearson, that the Blue Jays starting rotation is currently going to be Hunjin Ru, uh, number one, who pitched today, and Tanner Roark, Steven Matz, and Ross Stripling. Um, with any additional starts after that, since that's only four guys going to a bullpen game, 
or forcing Trent Thornton to become a starter for a bit. Um, that's ridiculous. Absolutely. Highest average with runners in scoring position. I missed those numbers. Could not repeat them. But DJ LeMahieu, one of the best in MLB in that regard. Deep Slaps foul. a foul ball. Yeah, just off into the stands in right field. Teoscar Hernandez gave it a look. But unless he could jump 10 feet in the air and like six feet to the side simultaneously, was not getting there. Which you don't know he can't. They should put trampolines in the outfield at the warning track. I would totally dig a trampoline in the outfield. I think I would too. Or give all give all outfielders moon boots. Ethan came in with a good point of basically saying the cleats would destroy the trampolines, but you know, we could figure something out. Yeah, it would have to be like a um like a chainmail type of thing, because the main part of the trampoline is the spring. You don't need it to be that softer material. So it could just be chainmail. LeMahieu digs in. Ball is high. Count is now three and one. LeMahieu here with a chance of not taking a hit, uh, but still loading the bases for Aaron Judge if he can take another, uh, he can work this at bat into a walk. That's obviously very much so against the interest of David Phelps. So you, you'd think he'd want to throw a strike. However, even though LeMahieu doesn't have a hit yet today, he is an in-the-zone hitting machine. So it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Stay in the zone and try to get a swinging strike or a called strike or go out of the zone and just go for the swinging strike. They went out of the zone, loaded the bases, ball four for Aaron Judge. And while the top of the Yankees order has not done much today, this sure is one hell of a position to put them in to succeed. Padres don't play till four o'clock, but I am here for Slam Diego making an appearance in the Bronx. Looks like there's going to be a call into the bullpen, but just checking on things is there's no no one got ready fast enough. So looks like David Phelps will be staying in to face Aaron Judge since the bullpen two arms warming up in the bullpen just won't be ready in time. So David Phelps, who struggled this entire inning, allowing three base runners and getting one out, now has to face a possible MVP candidate and Aaron Judge. Ball low and possible away. Possible MVP candidate? Yeah, because no one's an MVP candidate yet. It's the first day of the first day of the season. But I mean, are you saying Mike Trout is not the not a candidate for MVP going into the season, even without a, a plate appearance? He's a possible MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge, gapless, looks down the, the pitcher. <laughs> Inside, Did not affect his ability to take that pitch. Yeah. What's more intimidating as, as a, if, like, if you're a pitcher, what's more intimidating to look at, Aaron Judge with the gap or Aaron Judge without the gap? Uh, without the gap because a man with that ability, with the added confidence of a perfect smile, cannot mean good things for the ball I'm throwing at him. I can fix these teeth. I can fuck up your whole life, bitch. Throw me that shit. Oh, 90 mile an hour right down the middle. That should have been his. I get it. You know, again, baseball is a certain percentage of guessing at the pitch. If you're not guessing at what pitch is coming, you're never going to get a hit because you have to make certain assumptions as, you know, a guy in the batter's box. And with how poor Phelps' command is, I don't blame Judge for laying off of and taking the lighter, easier RBI coming off the walk. But, uh, yeah, that would have... Uh, that was one of spice and meatball. Oh, <laughs> as he grounds that one to third, here comes the double play on to first. 
in time to get to stranding one uh, or stranding two, I should say, as Judge makes both outs and this ends up being um, a scoreless inning, a scary scoreless inning, but a scoreless inning for the Blue Jays as we head to the uh, top of the ninth. It is time for a bathroom break here in Allentown. All right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, sorry. Top of the eighth. My bad, folks. My bad. Top of the eighth. I know I skipped an inning in there. I knew it was wrong. If you made it this far into the broadcast, I'm proud of you. Um, it feels as though Corey and I have slowly been getting it ready or getting 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 better at it as we've gone through. But this has been a this has been an adventure. This is a real learning experience, man. Um, to at any rate, Jonathan Luizaga is going to be coming in uh, to this game, and it's an interesting choice. Luizaga has really good stuff. His issue in recent years has been uh, command and health. So, but the stuff is, is, is there. So obviously the Yankees are banking on that. We'll see how Loisega looks in his first inning of the, of the season. Um, but he's got a lot of promise and he's been a solid reliever when he's been able to be healthy. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, God, I don't want this game to go into extra innings. I'm, I'm enjoying doing this, but I really don't fucking want this game to go into extra innings. Oh my God. Uh, but we'll see when, when we get there. Either way, when Loisga comes into this game, he'll be facing um, Marcus Simeon, followed by uh, Kevin Biggio, and then Bo Bichette. So we'll see what the uh, what the top of this Blue Jays order can manage. It's been pretty quiet as uh, Simeon so far has been 0 for 3. Um, Biggio, 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. And Bichette, 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Um, all of the Blue Jays' hits have come from the four through nine hitters. Um, all their base runners uh, have, have been the two four through nine hitters. Teoscar Hernandez so far with uh, two hits, one of which was a home run, one strikeout. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has a hit and two walks. Uh, sorry, Vlad Guerrero has a hit and two walks. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has one hit. Um Randall Gritchick has one hit. Danny Jansen has one hit. Tellez is also 0 for 3 with um, no strikeouts. So, top of the lineup, not very productive for the Blue Jays as well as the Yankees so far this game, but we'll see how they how they do. We're back at it here in Yankee Stadium as they show the judges' chambers on the television. And Jonathan Luizaga toes the rubber as he gets ready to make his first pitch of the 2021 MLB season to Teoscar Hernandez or Marcus Simeon. Fuck me. Uh, 97 mile an hour heater down the middle. Simeon fouls it back for a strike. Oh, one to start the at bat. Eliza good looks in Sanchez gives the sign comes to set wind up and pitch. In the zone, but not exactly where Sanchez was expecting it as it forces him to reach up and with the extra glove movement and the very large glove movement, the ball appears out of the zone, though it was in. Um, so it gets called a ball, one-on-one one count. Third pitch is low. Ball, two-one count. Let's take a look at Jonathan Loisega. Um player profile, see what type of pitcher he is. 
as he looks in for the fourth pitch of this at bat. Comes to set, wind up, throw, high, ball three, three and one. His curveball spin is in the 75th percentile. His fastball spin is in the 67th percentile. Both those are good. His fastball velocity is in the 94th percentile, which is phenomenal. Um, his whiff percent is low, so he's not getting a lot of swinging strikes, 26th percentile. And he's not getting a lot of strikeouts, 41st percentile in K percent. Which was, again, it's not awful. A little bit worse than average, but it gets a swinging strike there, 98-mile-an-hour fastball. But when he gets hit, boy, he gets hit. His exit velocity is in the 95th percentile, and his hard hit percent is also in the 95th percentile. And his walk rate is uh, – actually, his walk rate's pretty good, the 70th percentile. So he gets tattooed when he gets hit, but he gets another swinging strike there, and an 89-mile-an-hour changeup gets Marcus Simeon way out in front on that pitch. Um, so, you know, Loisega, he he's just got to put it together. When he's when he's good, he's good. When he's on, he's on. Um, and he's got good life on all his pitches. It's just a matter of putting them together. But he throws a lot of sinkers. He throws a good fastball. He throws a good curve. throws a good change. His pitch usage. Let's take a look at that. This past season. He threw his fastball 42% of the time. As uh, Kevin Biggio lifts out the first pitch to Aaron Hicks, who comes underneath it, trots underneath it, makes the catch. Very light and breezy second out. Uh, he uses his fastball 42.6% of the time, his sinker 24.6% of the time, curveball 17% of the time, and his changeup 15% of the time. Um, so he's got four pitches to choose from, all of which complement each other fairly well, and he uses them well. Now Bo Bichette steps up into the plate. The 0 for 3 part of this lineup of um, Simeon. Oh, Bo Bichette grounds that ball to second. LeMahieu scoops it up and fires it to Loisega in time as Jay Bruce initially ran in on the infield to make the play but didn't come up with the ball and did not get back to first quick enough to receive the throw. But it doesn't matter. Clean, easy 1-2-3 inning for Jonathan Loisega. As again, he manages to take down the weirdly 0 for 3 part of the line, make take them to 0 for 4. Simeon, Biggio, and Bichette all now 0 for 4 on the day. 0 for 12 between them, um, with the top three in that lineup doing fucking nothing to help the Blue Jays' cause here in this tie game as we head to the bottom of the eighth with Aaron Hicks, John Carlos Stanton, and Glaber Torres due up. Uh, Hicks and Stanton so far both hitless and both have yet to see the base paths over through with no walks. Torres, however, has a hit and a walk. So he's been on the bases twice so far today, batting a clean 500 um, since he is one for two on the day. Uh, yeah, I mean, we will see what the what the Blue Jays decide to trot out. It's been, it's you know, this this is baseball. You know, not, not every day is going to be a, a 7-6 game, and God, no one's heart could take that shit. That'd be brutal. Uh, so it appears as though the Blue Jays are going to be bringing in Raphael Dolis. So let's take a peek at Raphael Dolis, since I don't know that motherfucker's name. <laughs> All right. Raphael Dolis, right-handed pitcher. He's 23. Let me get you some stats on him. All right. So his... 
Fastball velocity is in the 77th percentile. That's good. His fastball spin is in the 40th percentile. That's not great. His whiff percent is very high, so he's got good life on his stuff regardless, though, in the 74th percentile. And that shows up in his K percent, which is in the 84th percentile. However, he gets hit. He has a hard hit percentile uh, in, the 90, in the 93rd percentile. Exit velocity in the 92nd. His expected batting average is in the 96th, and his expected slugging is in the 87th. He doesn't get barreled which is the best type of hit between exit velocity and launch angle uh, only in the 46th percentile. And he, but he also has a tendency of walking a lot of people as he's in the eighth percentile and walk percent. So this is a guy that again, the blue Jays seem to have a lot of guys who can do stuff, got good stuff. He's got to actually keep it in the zone or be a little bit craftier about how it gets delivered just because your pitch moves significantly more than average doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get swings on it if it's not employed the correct way. And that means either tunneling it in such a way that it'll look like a strike for a significant portion of its path towards the catcher or orienting it or ordering it in such a way that it will draw a swing, even if it's not so close to being in the strike zone. Uh, What that looks like depends on the situation. It's tough to really kind of nail it down for me since as a guy who does not do the pitching, <laughs> but typically if you can get players who um, if you can get their pitches called on corners and on the edges, which is where a lot of pitchers aim for, it's a good way for you to draw swings because it'll draw defensive swings from batters who don't want to get call out and strikes at the edge of the strike zone, but will also lead them to swinging at garbage. If you can make it look like it's going towards the edge of the strike zone and then end up in the opposing batter's box. But anyway, Dolis digs in, fires his first pitch, 94 mile an hour. Oh, what are we going to call that? I'll call that a fastball. Um, on the inside, inside to Hicks, Darren O'Day warming in the bullpen. Hicks in a 1-0 count as it that was a sinker. Sorry, folks. We're working on it. All right. Dolis digging in again. Hicks now batting lefty against the righty. Dolis throws a 95-mile-an-hour sinker again, this time in the zone. Hicks still misses it um, for a, to even up the count one and one. So swinging strike for Hicks. It's what Dolis apparently does well. Uh, this will be an interesting test to see about Hicks's eye against a guy with very erratic stuff. Dolis throws. Low in the zone. Might have clipped it, but with such heavy movement on the sinker, it uh, it really, I mean, it gets caught on the ground. So with that, it'll be a ball. 2-1 count. Quiet day for Hicks, but he's not as, you know, he's got the power to hit home runs and he's got the speed to, to leg stuff out, but he really thrives on his eye as he takes another pitch in the dirt for a 3-1 count. And, uh, that's what's really where his threat is. He can absolutely bust out home runs, but he is an on-base type of dude, and that's what you're supposed. That's what you are to expect from him. While you know he has the capability of hitting hard doubles and hitting um, home runs, he's a guy that you're gonna you're expect to and hope to see just occupying the base paths. Um, let's take a look at Aaron Hicks's player profile. See what he was doing last season as he digs in, and waits for the fifth pitch of this at bat. Also high out of the zone. There's his first trip to the bases of the season on a walk, as one would expect. Still 0 for 3, but that walk 
certainly contributing to his on-base percent and exactly what you'd expect from a guy like Aaron Hicks, whose hard hit percent is in the 43rd percentile, so not great. Exit velocity is in the 39th percentile, not great. But his expected weighted on-base average, his ex-WOBA, is in the 84th percentile. Walk rate, 99th percentile. Sprint speed, 66th percentile. And strikeout rate in the 75th percentile. This is a guy who will get on base. This is a very good on base, um, or uh, sorry, a uh, very good um, on base percent player as Giancarlo Stanton takes strike one here in the bottom of the eighth. One runner on, nobody out. Dolis about to deliver his seventh pitch. Top of the zone, swinging strike from Giancarlo Stanton. Definitely trying to make something happen here. Um, trying to break this tie. I'm back. All right. Don't you just love it when you go take a piss and right as you like relieve that pressure in the bladder? It's like, oh no, I also have to take a shit. Thank you for sharing, Corwin. <laughs> you know, I'm here to give the listeners what they want. More information. Ooh. <laughs> High and tight. One and two count on, on Stanton. Ethan coming in from the peanut gallery. No one's gonna listen this far anyway. I said that while you were gone. I was like, if you've made it in this far, I'm really proud of you. But also, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you $5 if you can tell me this pitcher's first name. Dolis. Duncan. Raphael. Damn. <laughs> As he makes a pickoff attempt to Guriel, try to, ke- try to catch Hicks leaning, but Hicks gets back. Yeah, I mean, if you did make it this far, again... Why we do this for us, not for you? Fuck you. This this is uh, this is a practice round for us. We're fun. really hoping to just do this later in the season. So our our true aim is to unseat the Vergasian uh, A Rod booth on ESPN Monday Night Baseball. <laughs> that is our ultimate aspiration here. As uh, Rafael Dolis gets Giancarlo Stanton swinging to uh, finish off his at bat and pick up a strikeout. That puts Glaber Torres up to bat. Again, one of the more productive members of the Yankees lineup today. Uh, Glaber Torres, uh, one for two with a walk. Also a uh, run scored. No RBIs. Only thing missing. He's got a he's got a run score. He's got a hit. He's got a walk. He's got a strikeout. Just needs an RBI to round out his uh, his sheet scorecard. So he takes strike track one. Of, uh, you plan on keeping track of uh, scorecards this year, tallying along as you go? Only if I go to games. It just doesn't feel right. It, just doesn't, it doesn't feel the same when I do it when I'm home. At what point are you going to invest in getting a stadium seat for your living room to sit in while you watch baseball on TV? That sounds awful. It's not happening. Let's get the most uncomfortable chair we can get to sit in for three and a half hours while we watch baseball. Do you like hard, shitty plastic? <laughs> Have I got the chair for you? Um, ball in the dirt, 1-1 one, one count. I do like what the what the Blue Jays have done with their bullpen. Um, it is, it's still not good, but it's a lot of high upside guys. They, sure. They've clearly gone with players that have movement. You missed when I ran through Dolis's um, player profile. But again, a high movement guy who just gets hit really hard and I guess hasn't quite quite put it together. He's young, though. He's like 23. Um, so lots of time for him to put it together as uh, Torres takes strike two. Um, 
Because because you got if if you're bad, if you have a bad part of your team, and in this instance, a bullpen, you're not going to be able to reconstruct it in one offseason. Even if they signed every free agent relief pitcher, it still probably wouldn't be enough just because one, that's unrealistic, and two, it's only still a handful of guys. So taking a bunch I mean, of to risks. Be fair, the Padres' biggest issue was starting pitching, and we rebuilt that in a year. Yeah, but your starting pitching had a good foundation from last season. I mean, we had Denilson Lamette, and then Chris Paddock has been wildly disappointing since his, you know, rookie year. Clevenger was there, but Tommy John surgery gone. So, yeah, you could say that there's a decent foundation. There's a couple younger guys that are coming up that we could have used and relied on. Um, so I got, I got what you're saying. Yeah, it's not – don't get me wrong. It definitely was the weakest area for the Padres, but it wasn't as destitute as the – Blue Jays bullpen is fair enough. Um, so taking flyers on these guys, especially because it's the bullpen and, and it's a lot easier to just take flyers on guys. Ooh. It that's what you'd like to see. As Torres just off the knob, right, off the end of the bat, pops it straight up in the air. Guerrero calls it, catches it, second out. So we got two outs, one on here in the bottom of the eighth as the Yankees stalled here with uh, Gio Rochella coming up to the plate. Do you think the uh, Yankees overreact and put Gary Sanchez higher in the lineup for their game on Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, so. I could see him switching with Urshela. Just, I mean, I don't know about lefty-righty. No, because Urshela's a righty, too. So The whole yeah, Yankees I lineup see them is switching. righties. What's up? The whole Yankees lineup is righties. Geo hacks at that, fouls it back, 0-1. So righties match up well against righties? Lefties. Against lefties. Okay. Yeah, if you're hitting, you always want opposite dexterity. If you're pitching, you always want same dexterity. Okay. Uh, What's the question? No, so if you're batting righty like this and you're coming at me. No, because I'd want the lefty because you're coming up over here towards me rather than coming here. What's the question? Ethan is arguing that it is the opposite, where as a hitter, you'd want to see, you want to go up against a right-handed pitcher because it would allow you to see the ball and the arm better than if it was, let's say, a right-handed hitter going against a left-handed pitcher. So you're saying as a, he's saying as a hitter, you want same arm. No. Josh, we're talking about the same thing. I think you just might have worded it a bit differently. When when you are a hitter, you want the same – I think you used the word dexterity. Right. You want the same handedness as a hitter, whereas when you're a pitcher, you want the opposite. That's why no. pitchers are crazy. Other way around. But, but I always thought it was when you're a left-handed pitcher, which is what is more desirable, is because there are more right-handed hitters. So when you're a left-handed pitcher, you lose sight of the ball 
as the hitter if you're right-handed. Do you know this what I mean? Gr- I do know what you mean. This is this is a great point. So the reason left-handed pitchers are quote unquote more desirable is the same reason left-handed hitters are often more desirable. And it's just that there's fewer of them. So they get to command higher prices because there's, there's just the fact that a guy like Chris sale, I don't know what he's going to be able to throw this year because he's coming off an injury, but would be able to throw 98 miles an hour as a lefty. That's so fucking rare. Same thing with the world Chapman lefties. Just I thought don't Chris do sale was more desirable because he had such a repertoire of pitches. That's the other thing that makes Chris Sale. Chris Sale is that he's a starter and he throws a bazillion pitches, oh. but it's also See, a lot. Yeah, of the I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like the fact that it's less likely that you are, you know, the, the fact that it is so much rarer makes it more desirable. I always thought, you know, if I'm up to the plate, I'm, you know, here as a right-handed hitter, I would think a right-handed pitcher, I would be more, I'd, I'd be able to predict the pitch better because I would see the release angle a lot better than a left-handed pitcher. So think about it like this. If I'm squared up to hit like a righty, mm-hmm. okay, the pitcher's right hand is going to be this way. I'm going to have to turn slightly more to my left across my body to get a full view of the pitch. And that, what, the differences we're talking about are very marginal, right? That's the first thing about sure. it. It, it. And that's how all sports work. The difference between being 500 and 550 is very small, but it amounts to a lot of wins. Um, okay. Same thing with batting average. The difference between 300 and 330 isn't very much on paper, but it's a fuck ton of hits. Anyway, so the idea that I'm going to have to cross my body slightly more, I'm going to have to turn my head slightly more, it's all these little things. And then I, it's going to keep more of the pitcher's arm and release a little bit more in my periphery than it will in my main focus. Whereas if I'm looking at a batter's left hand, it's going to be coming on the open side of where I'm hitting. And I'll be able to track that a little bit better while not having to leave my stance as much and be able to be in a better position as the ball gets released to kind of follow it into my hit. It's about, for one thing, it's about how well the pitch can be hidden, which that comes down to just a lot of individual pitchers delivery. But it's also about what type of position do I have to put myself in to track that ball and hit. And the less I have to move in my stance and the more comfortable I can be without tilting my head too much or straining my eyes more than I need to is what's going to help me kind of focus in on where I need to be. Okay. At least that's how I've always been told and understood it. There might be more, I don't know, specific and better reasons for it but it's the same idea the guys that that have very high batting averages are almost always left-handed hitters the guys with a lot of strikeouts are almost always right-handed pitchers if you look at the top 10 strikeout getters in baseball history i think seven out of ten of them are all righties and if you look at the highest individual batting average seasons in mlb history i think the high i think eight out of ten of them are all left-handed hitting seasons Interesting. Again, it's all it's all super marginal, but yeah, know, it adds up over the course of a season. The lefty hitting that surprises me because I mean, I I would imagine there being 
quite a lot more right-handed hitters than there are left-handed hitters. Absolutely. But the left-handed hitters get to go up against right-handed pitchers where they have an advantage Hmm. because of the unmatched dexterity. Sure. Or the swapped handedness, however you're supposed to say it. Wow. Well, That's baseball. And here I've we get lost faith in everything I know about baseball. So thank you. Well, you didn't have very far to fall. <laughs> this is true. It's okay. Corwin and I have those revelations like every other episode. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baseball's hard. Baseball's very hard. You got it. Are you? I'm like trying to relax over here and Corwin's like jerking off my hand outside of the picture. Yeah, that sounds about right for him. Yeah, yeah. He's fluffing it now. Ooh. And ground ball to short. Torres flips it over to uh, Jay Bruce, but not in time as uh, Teoscar Hernandez collects his third hit of the day against Darren O'Day, who came in in relief of Jonathan Luizaga. And on his first batter, allows an infield great, hit. Great play, though. Yeah. yeah, it was a good play. Slightly off in the throw. Yeah, old little one hopper to first, just just not in time. Glad here it is. Glaber Torres not having the best outing at shortstop. Defense has been his biggest criticism of late as he's gone from second to short after Didi Gregorius left the Yankees. And it's been, uh, I mean, it hasn't been awful. He hasn't committed any errors, but it's definitely not been a great performance from him thus far with the one could have been an error uh, ball going under the glove early in the game, followed by that probably should have been an outplay right there as Vladdy cuts large at the first uh, throw and ends up missing for strike one. You should get juicing the number of cutouts like they do on these programs like just get it it was like box big block things yeah. so that you have like <laughs> for juicing the numbers this is Corwin Heller yeah really we the, the thing is we should just be better at branding like overall I mean this is a true this yeah we should fact. just be better at branding you have two screens of you know video right now and no logos to do with your brand whatsoever Well, I'm going through all my hats, so I'll get to the, the Juice of the Numbers hat in a second. Vladdy cuts big at the second pitch and then misses once again for an 0-2 count. Uh, How difficult would it be to get like a, a, a thing that goes on the mic like they do on news programs and just have juicing the, like just a little box, juicing the numbers, and then your social media? I can't imagine it would be much, but I also don't know who makes that shit. I have, though, everything's a Google a Google search away. So I'm sure someone has to, they have to come from somewhere. Darren O'Day clipping the bottom of the strike zone, but not could, getting I mean, the call Two two count. Do whatever. Yeah. Sorry. One, two count. Uh, I just mean like you could make it yourself. Like it wouldn't be difficult. See, the real thing is I totally get you now having done this show for two years to like two and a half. I totally get why people hire like social media people and PR people because uh, I hate promoting this show. 
I love this show, and I wish everyone listened. One to of it. your best friends is it. a social media guy, though. Who? Pete. Oh yeah. Didn't he, he used to do that? He still does. He still does. Ask him for some pointers. Yeah, but the thing is, I still have to do it. Is what I'm saying. I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna hire someone because we don't. We don't revolves around you know. Yeah, because we don't make money, you know, like giving this. a shit. <laughs> and that's the thing is, like, I just hate being like, please listen to my show. Um, like, it's just, I, it's just not who I am. As Press a, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. Vladdy pops out to second. Like and subscribe. Yeah, and that's the shit. Like, dude, I don't, I don't even like plugging the social media shit at the end. Like, I just, it's not in my wheelhouse to be like, hey, come give me more attention. Like, I'm so down if people want to follow the show and like hang out and like listen and contribute and all that shit. I love people interacting with us and all that shit. I hate being like, Hey, this, this is the show for you. Come, come into the show. Have someone else do it for free. Who's going to do that shit for free. Corwin doesn't have a soul. He could do it. Corwin doesn't even do it. Corwin doesn't do anything for this show. That's, that's fair. That is a fair point. Corbin doesn't even post to his own Twitter. We're running a giveaway on Twitter, and Corbin hasn't even retweeted it. Nice. Get on that, bud. <laughs> Which I guess, I guess, uh, three hours in is as good a time as any to say to people, "There's a giveaway on our Twitter if you follow and retweet before noon on on Friday, which is the day this episode airs." Uh, yeah. See, that's how bad I am. I keep forgetting. I forget everything that has to do with this show. Do you think this guy thinks he's cool because he submarine pitches? So apparently, I was listening to the Yankees broadcast the other day, and I will just become the intermediary for all things said on other broadcasts. Um, he had tried pitching the normal way for a while, and it just wasn't working. He just sucked. And then he was like, might as well try throwing sidearm. And now he's 38 and has been MLB for like 20 years. Oh, look at that replay. Nice, buddy. And, you know, that's part of that craftiness. You know, like, sidearm throwing, you're never going to throw hard. It's just not a position where you're going to be able to generate power. Yeah, exactly. That's where you're going to sit. And it's not just sacrificing, you know, a couple miles an hour on on And I thought 85 was high for a pitch like that, you know? Yeah, you're just – because you're not going to be able to put the full um, motion of your hips – the full drive of your legs, the full rotation of your shoulder, you, you're not going to get most of that from throwing sidearm. So that goes into the deception aspect of it. So even though this guy's a righty facing a lot of right-handed hitters, he's going to get a lot of – he'll get swings and misses because of the deception aspect of it. Absolutely. Would, it's yeah. all about the perception. I mean, if like uh, I remember watching a, a TED Talk a little while ago about uh, athletic performance, specifically in baseball players. Uh, I'll have to find the link. I I was uh, I meant to show it to one of you, but it was all it, it was this you know doctor of kinesiology basically talking about uh, Barry Bonds trying to hit pitches off of um, softball legend from Jenny Finch. Jenny Finch. There we go. Uh, he didn't hit a single one. Um. Granted, the the mound is closer, and she's pitching, you know, around sixty, 
but the underhand and the whole like perception of it, he couldn't hit a single pitch. Uh, because you know, technically, your brain cannot recognize the pitches going as fast as they do. Mm-hmm. It's all about muscle memory and you know, training and training and training until you can recognize pitches. So absolutely, the the uh, perception of seeing a ball coming from you know that low and just it's just a different kind of pitch that's coming at you yeah i mean you you and i have experienced this there's such a difference between timing out when to swing when someone throws you a ball versus timing out a swing when you're at a batting cage and it's coming out of a machine absolutely because it is so hard to see the arm of a pitching machine with all the like metal boxing that it's usually in to time it out. And then you, you, I'm mean, me anyway, end up panic swinging. And then it just shoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you just see it. Whereas when it's someone throwing you the ball, you see a wind up and you understand kind of where they're going to release from. Um, and that seems more familiar to you. And so I totally get the idea of a guy like Bonds who spent. I mean, the amount of pitches the man must have seen in, throughout his career. Well, that's what they were saying. It's the whole, you know, 10,000, uh, the 10,000 hours rule. Right. Um, which, you know, since has been disproved. But they used to say, like, if you want to be a professional athlete, you need to spend about 10,000 hours perfecting the art of what, you know, you're doing. So if you're a hitter, hit for 10,000 hours. If you're a pitcher, pitch for 10,000 hours. If you, you know... All that stuff. Ooh, hello. Yeah, big swing and a miss from Lord Gurriel Jr. It looks like a confused Gary Sanchez and the ball ends up just hitting him in the gut. At least that's how it appeared. And I'm not sure if he caught any of that as a foul. Well, anyway, I mean, been disproved because, you know, granted everything with your genetic makeup and all that fun stuff, it's (laughs) the rule is more like, um, it takes 10,000 hours plus or minus 10,000 hours. So Gary Sanchez catches that glove, catches that ball in the glove. And then Guerrero smacks him on the top uh, of it's the, the yeah, yeah, it's the backswing. Uh, that's what I missed. Yeah. Jeez. As, uh, the pitching coach comes out to talk to Darren O'Day, presumably just to give Gary some time to get some feeling back in his hand. <laughs> before it's time to receive the next pitch uh, as the ump comes out to break up the meeting on the mound. I mean, dude, that's got to hurt, especially in your catching hand. Yeah, right I on can't top imagine. of the wrist. I mean, and you already see him wearing like a, a finger guard kind of kind of like a stint. Mm-hmm. Um, that so, could have been nasty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, those things are metal. I had a, a boss once, um, Ethan, you know, Doug, uh, he once had one of those things on his pinky yeah, because if he broke a finger and he fell and he smacked the ground and the thing, the metal of, of the, the stint just sliced his finger fully open, just like filleted his pinky. Um, and he had That's to go horrible. to the hospital. Jesus. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's like wearing steel toed boots that have the steel end at a certain point. If you drop something heavy enough, you're losing all of five of your toes. Oh, absolutely. If it's heavy enough and it's, you know, coming at you that strong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if so, if you own steel-toed boots, fear for your toes. 
I mean, granted, at that point, if something's that big, it had to be catastrophic and that heavy, it's yeah. probably going to crush your whole foot anyway. So yeah, or you know, your entire being. What was that? Or your entire being. You're just going to oh, become yeah. man mush. All right, Rowdy Tellez now in here. Oh, one count, two outs, one man on. Still tied 2-2 in the top of the ninth. Darren O'Day stepping off to check back the runner at first. Now, see, that wouldn't count as a pickoff attempt because he didn't throw the ball. Might be a workaround for the minors who have to play around with that rule now. Yeah, what's this rule? I thought if you came out of the pitch, I guess because he, what, he wasn't in the pitching motion, so it's not a balk? Right, as long as you step off the mound, you're fine. Okay. You can't switch. Like, you can't be winding up and getting ready to throw towards home and then finish stepping and then, like, sidearm it over to first. Like, you have sure. to step and throw to the same spot. But if you step off the mound, really you can do whatever you want. It's a really weird rule. Like, you might – I don't know. Well, Corn and I talked about this with the, uh, the idea of pine tar for pitchers the other day. Is It's like, why did the rule exist? For the bulk rule, it's so that you didn't do what I just said and be a dick, which is like step towards home and then just kind of fling it over towards first to get pickoffs because that just doesn't seem fair. But at some point, at it gets time, interpreted how, how so strictly. Gonna be? Like, that's going to be a terrible throw. I don't care how good you are. You're well, stepping the- forward towards the plate and throwing across your body at the first baseman. I feel like you're more likely to screw yourself doing something like that than actually get the pickoff. Sure. And and the other thing with it is like what is oh, deceptive nice. and what's not because it's like pitchers will get <laughs> called hell. for a balk. Did you just see that? Yeah, that dude, fuck you. <laughs> that pitcher Did that, you see that? The the He's literally um, reaching into his Yeah, a fan in the stands just reached into Aaron Judge's glove to try to take that ball from him. And Aaron Judge pulled it away. What an asshole. I'd be a little um, pissed off as well. Yeah, especially in COVID times. But so I mean, for any times, like you can get a ball, like don't be a, a fucking dick. ball. Yeah. Um, for me, like the thing with balks is, is the idea is I'm not, you're not supposed to be deceptive in, in a, in a, a not in the spirit of the game way. You have to maintain so the spirit the, uh, of the game. Hidden ball it. trick isn't against the rules. No, hidden ball tricks not against the rules. It's on, it's, it's on the, the runner to keep an eye on where the ball get actually that, is. But I feel like that's deceptive out of the, What's I'm saying? It's not about being deceptive, i.e., trying to fool the other guy. For me, it's about playing fair. Like stealing signs is totally legal because they're visible to everybody. But using an electronic relay system to steal signs leaves the realm of being fair. So the idea of like a pitcher throwing in the stretch when he said he was throwing in the windup. And then because he didn't declare, I'm switching to the stretch, that's technically a balk. Seems kind of fucking stupid because why is that? How is that unfair exactly. towards anybody involved? Exactly. But that counts as a balk. And that's where I think MLB bogs itself down in the strictness of the rules. Is It's like, it, what's the intention? The uh-huh. idea that you can't use pine tar is that you're not allowed to doctor the ball because back when they used to really scuff the fuck up out of baseballs, one pitcher scuffed the ball up so bad that the batter couldn't see it and hit him in the head and he died. That's why you can't scuff up baseballs. But that's not what pine tar is about. And pine tar doesn't leave big, you know, 
black messes or dark brown messes on balls to the point where batters can't see them the way that like literal dirt and tobacco balls used to be like. Mm -hmm. So in theory, if that's the rule, why don't you enforce it a different way to go with the original intention and then just let everyone do what they want. Absolutely. Within that realm. Completely agree. If you're going to implement a rule or enforce a rule, make sure that you stay true to the intention that was behind it. Don't just have a rule to have a rule and then, you know, punish people because shit, we have no walk, you know, walk around. Yeah. We need more constitutional lawyers in baseball. That's what we need. All right. Jordan Romano is now in pitching for the, the Blue Jays. We had said that he was expected to get the most war out of any of the healthy pitchers in the Blue Jays. What, so they didn't like Dulles? Or are they just giving people runs? Yeah, it, it, it's just, just a relief outing, just one inning. Not uncommon. So Romano apparently did not pitch in 2020, and his pitching, his outings in – sorry, he had – no, he had 15 games. I just guess there's there's no stat cast information about him in 2020. That doesn't make any sense. But I'm on his stat cast page, and there's, like, nothing here. So that's weird. Apparently, he throws his slider 60% of the time and is forcing fastball 40% of the time. And, like, that's about all I got. His fastball has great life on it, though, as he pitches it to Stanton in the zone, and Stanton swings right through it, strike one. One one count. Nice and tight, ninety seven miles per hour. Yeah, yeah, this that's got a lot of zip on it. That was perfect placement too. As uh, Nick Nelson starts warming up for the Yankees in the bullpen, which is an interesting choice. I I'm assuming the Yankees are prepping. Um, in theory, if the Yankees get a run here, anywhere in this inning, game over. Otherwise, you have to uh, orient your bullpen, assuming that this game is going to go for a while, even though it's extra innings. And I would assume that's where the Yankees are at and are likely only to bring in, um, I guess I was going to say to bring someone good in to hold a lead, but the second the Yankees score as the home team, this game ends. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of position themselves going forward. Um Nick, a little bit on Nick Nelson, um, the young righty, 25 years old for the Yankees. Um, good life on his fastball. He's got 90, 90th percentile fastball velocity, 67th percentile curveball spin, and 60, 60th percentile whiff rate. But um, his uh, expected stats have been lackluster in 2020. Ex-WOBA in the 11th percentile. X ERA in the 11th percentile X batting average in the 11th percentile. Um, but he avoids the hard hits and he has a mid range exit velocity at 50 in the 55th percentile as uh, Jordan Romano ends up walking the leadoff hitter, Gary Sanchez runner on no one out as uh Jay Bruce over two on the day with a walk will step into the plate for his fourth plate appearance of the day. Romano has just an, outstanding bid yeah it's quite majestic that thing is and mike talkman put mark to shame let me just say that mike talkman will take over pinch running for gary sanchez as i'm i guess we can expect to see maybe some um 
stolen bases or hit and runs here. Going to do a little squat. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, might try to finish this game up with a little bit of small ball. Um, let's see if uh, nice. looks over at first at all. Nope. Very nice. And Sorry. yep, we got a stolen base for Mike Talkman. So they put in a pinch runner and get him to work right away. We now have a runner in scoring position, man on second, no outs. So that takes the double play out of the picture. And Wait, that will give an opportunity to hit to Jay Bruce. Hawkman. Um, oh, as a pinch runner. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, they'll give a hitting opportunity to Jay Bruce, Clint Frazier, and DJ LeMahieu, assuming no double plays, which uh, seem unlikely at this point with the runner on second. Oof. Mono deals on the 1-0 pitch. Inside and low, but Bruce swings at it. Oh, one and one. Come on, buddy. Oh, man. Jay Bruce is just swinging up there. Uh, He's just letting it rip, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to be a hero right now when he really doesn't need to be as he uh, just reaches for a low and away pitch Gary Sanchez style for uh, swing, strike, one-two count. You Darvish in one inning pitch so far, first inning for the Padres uh, against the Diamondbacks, giving up three hits, one earned run, and only one strikeout. That is not ideal as a you Darvish owner. All right, ball in the dirt for Jay Bruce, 2-2 count. Talkman State at second. Got a chance to end it. Also has a chance to pass the torch on to the next guy behind him. This is a team sport as he holds up on the low pitch, 3-2. and two. What, what do you do in that position? You're, you're batting 0 for 2. You've got Clint Fraser coming up who's been batting, you know, He's got two hits. Definitely more consistent on the day. What do you do? You do that. Okay. Uh, the ideal here, if I'm Jay Bruce, is I'm I'm swinging. Yep, as he did. I'm a little bit behind you guys again. So he did. The reason being is that uh-huh. if you put the ball into play, you have the chance of at least moving Talkman over to third. Sure, sure. Yeah. Whereas if you strike out looking, you accomplish nothing. Uh, a walk would be great. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was, you know, it was a three-two count. The guy's, as you said, sixty percent of the time throws the slider, and it looks like he's just. Nah, I mean, I know they 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 were clearly going think about when you're up on the plate. You just want to smack things. I get it. Uh, it looks like I'm wondering if the Yankees hitting coach or Aaron Boone, whomever, is telling the Yanks to swing because they're chopping a lot more just than they have earlier in this game. This is a lot more swinging than we've seen them typically do. Throughout their yeah. plate appearances, as Frazier swings at the first pitch, uh, missing 0 and 1. Is that a steal? Very nice. I don't know about you guys, but my oh, stolen base for Talkman. I'm behind you guys for like a good 10 seconds at least. As he moves over to third, yeah, I was gonna say, go back 10 seconds and then we should be a uh, a soft hit ground ball might actually bring him in, depending on what type of, type of lead he can get. You watching the replay now? Yeah. There you go. We should be good. 
And now I'm back on Jansen. Yep, we should be lined up. All right. Yeah, but my commercial breaks must be a little bit longer than your guys's. This is so weird. I hate that this app does that, but whatever. We might just both. Oh. Yeah, Fraser just slicing through a pitch down the gut. Mad at himself about that one. Knew that was his pitch. Um, one, two, count. Well, then we run into the, into the blackout. That was the whole yeah, issue with that. Are we watching the Padres next? Uh, I don't think we. I don't think we're gonna carry through with recording, but I'm definitely gonna switch over to the Padres game. I'm sure Josh is gonna. Leave Josh, you gotta be somewhere. Eyeball one. Yeah, I gotta go after this. My brother's birthday tonight. I gotta make dinner before. Oh shit! Happy birthday, CJ. Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, we're not go. We're not going anywhere. I'm doing it from my couch, but I want to make dinner beforehand. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, Romano in a 2-2, deals inside, ball three, another full count here. And again, I might be so bold to say that we might see Frazier swinging here to avoid putting him on first and risking a double play to end an inning. Obviously, the walk in a realistic circumstance is better than a strikeout because it's just not an out, but at the same time, the Yanks might try to risk in this case, you, you know, to, get, to get a ball in play. Yeah, That's the small ball angle on this anyway. Ooh. Oh, he holds up. Nice. Yeah, there was no way he was going to do anything with that pitch. Um, so that puts runners on the corners. LeMahieu up. I'd imagine we'd, we're going to bring the infield back to keep the double play in order. And it looks like we might see a pitching change here. And we will. So Romano's going to get pulled. Oh, no. Actually, sir, never mind. They're just talking strategy. What do we do? Do you pitch around LeMayhew and risk loading the bases to get Judge up? Or do you pitch to LeMayhew and keep everything low in the strike zone and try to force a ground ball to get the double play to get out of the inning? So they're definitely just talking hitting profile where DJ LeMayhew doesn't perform his best, where he has the highest ground ball percent in terms of uh, areas in the strike zone where he gets the most ground balls. Brett Gardner is now pinch running for Clint Frazier, which is a hilarious sentence um, <laughs> since Brett Gardner is like a decade older than Clint Frazier and is pinch running for him. But okay, that's who he is. Man's got legs. Man's a specimen though. As DJ oh, LeMayhew grounds it, it to third, they go home with it, and out at home is Talkman. But so uh, DJ LeMayhew will reach first. Clint Frazier will go to second. So the runners are on first and second. Two outs now, though, as Talkman, who was running on contact, gets caught as the ball went perfectly to the shallow placed uh, third baseman to get the runner out at home. So that'll bring up Judge. I mean, ideally, would you? Have, I mean, obviously, you want to have want. Wanted to have had Talkman stay at third there. Do you think that was a bad call on his part? No, because he, he wasn't running on position. He was running on contact. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, in a perfect world, he would have waited a half a beat longer to see that that wasn't going to be where he wanted it to be, but you can't you can't bet on that. He As soon as he saw that hit, he started moving, you know? Like yeah, that, yeah, the second the ball made it. contact with the bat, he was gone. Because, Judge, you know, I mean, uh, another second longer and he was on that that base anyway before the ball made it to the catcher, so. 
And that was yeah. game. I get it. Judge swings through the first pitch, 0-1. Romano's in trouble, but handling himself pretty well here, all things considered. He got a ground ball when he needed to, called it luck, called it skill, what, what have you. Deals to Judge low. This time Judge lays off of it, 1-1 one, one count. Now, normally loading the bases to Judge here wouldn't be the world's biggest deal with Aaron Hicks up next, who, again, can hit but doesn't have the world's highest batting average. He's more of a walker. The problem being, if you walk Judge, the bases get loaded. You walk Hicks, the game ends on an RBI walk. So... One of these two guys needs to get pitched two as uh, up and in count two and one on judge. Now the problem is these guys are hard to pitch to judge will do a lot of damage if given the opportunity and a single wins the game and Hicks is the world's most patient hitter and will foul off balls until he gets his walks. So this is going to be a lot of work for Romano to get out of this. Deals. Oof. Inside, but just catches some black on the uh, on the uh, on home plate. Get a called strike. Two two count. Judge now yeah, going to have to play that. a little bit of defense here in uh, protecting the zone to avoid the strikeout. So you might catch Judge swinging here. I'm expecting maybe a slider low and away to use up the space for that last counted ball. Down the middle, but Judge cuts right through it, and we're going. To extra innings. That looked like a beautiful swing, too. I mean, that was right down the middle. Oh, yep. just a little just bit underneath, underneath it. it. So the Yankees got traffic on the bases, but it just didn't shake their way. Got two stolen bases out of talking to move them to third, but got hosed on the uh, ground ball that went right to the well-positioned third baseman to get him out and then uh, had – Two men on with a runner in scoring position for Judge, but swings through a fastball to end the inning without any runs crossing home plate. So it's 2-2 ball game in the 10th. And um, if if Nick Nelson – or sorry, if, if the bullpen situation holds true, Nick Nelson will be coming in to pitch the top, and uh, we will see what horrors await the Blue Jays' bullpen in the bottom of the 10th uh, for a, a – uh, Pen that's very, very thin. I'm assuming you don't see them sticking with Romano in the next inning. Uh, probably not. It's I think it's too early for you to stretch out those types of guys, your your relief pitchers, unless they have a history of that. I'm just not sure Romano really does. I would expect Ryan Barutsky next. Uh, that's my guess, but we'll see. Um, I gave a pitcher profile on Nick Nelson already, so let's take a look on uh, at what he'll be facing when he works his way into the game. Um, he'll be starting up against the uh, against Randall Grichik, uh, Rowdy Tella. Sorry, not Randall. Not, uh, Randy Grichik, Danny Jansen, and Marcus Semyon. Uh, so far in this game, Randall Sim- Grichik, Sim- whatever it is, fuck off. I was making uh, a little dicky reference, so don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Um, I also just assume I'm wrong in pronouncing everything. Now, Randall Grichik so far in this game is uh, one for three with uh, one strikeout. Danny Jansen also one for three with Nick one strikeout. Nelson. 
And Marcus Simeon, 0 for 4 with one strikeout. So it's not been the hottest performing bunch that Nick Nelson will be due to pitch to. As Nick he just Nelson, looks like a goofy dude. He looks okay. like what I would picture everyone in Omaha, Nebraska looks like. Yeah, Nick Nelson from Panama City, Florida, but whatever. I dub him the face of Omaha, Nebraska. All right, Randall. top of the 10th, Randall Grichuk. One for three. Let's see what Nick Nelson's got up his sleeves as the. How much uh, wood could a wood Grichuk? Now, keep in mind. The runner on in extras rule is still in effect this season. So Nick Nelson will be pitching with a man on second. Now the man on second will be whoever got made the last out of the last inning. And the Blue Jays have already pinch run for what would have been Rowdy Tellez with um, Jay Davis. Who the fuck is Jay Davis? It's not JD. Oh, this is the extra inning rule. You've got a guy on second to start the inning. Yeah, they introduced this last year because of COVID. They just didn't want anyone overworked because it was going to be a little bit more of a sprint of a season. Um, sure. And they just kept it this year because Manfred hates fun. I mean, it's an interesting, you know, like, why not? Because I hate it. That's why. There's no reason for it. I just, and I don't support it. Nick Nelson deals high and nice. 85. They're not trying to go into mile an hour slider. Trying to make things go quick. I get it. Seeing games go into like 17 innings, go into these late innings is always super fun. Uh, All right. And the pitch swung on and drilled into right field. Judge can't get there over his head. The bounce is also over his head. Jonathan Davis sprinting already and home. Got a score Richard in. gets himself to second. Run came in. It's 3-2 Toronto as they take a lead late here in the top of the 10th, which means that if the Yankees want to stay alive, they're going to have to score for the first time since the second inning, much as the Blue Jays did just now. In Padres news, it looks like Madison Bumgarner just hit a double off of you, Darvish solidifying the MLB stance to, oh, God, what an awful outfield play that was. Yeah, Mad Bum hitting a double. Fuck the DH. Sure. All right, Nick Nelson, who fucked himself up on the first pitch of his uh, season, almost had a ball go right past the new catcher, Kyle Higashioka, but he makes a nice pick in the dirt to hang on to it. Holds it to being just a ball instead of a possibly pass ball or wild pitch. You definitely don't want to move the runner over to third for free, especially with no outs. As Josh's fantasy team is struggling, negative five hitting and 18 pitching. Thanks, Corwin's fantasy team looking excellent with many extra base hits coming in, courtesy of Nate Lowe and Max Kepler and a little bit from Paul Goldschmidt. Josh's hitting is awful. All right. One, one count here on Danny Jansen, Nick Nelson, all over the place here to start. You'd almost guess that this kid hasn't done his bullpen before he came in. He's just been that erratic as Danny Jansen bunts foul. 
push the count to one and two, which effectively takes away the bunt. As, of course, if you bunt foul uh, with two strikes, it counts as strike three. So Danny Jansen will now be swinging. Unless... Really? Is that a bunt, bunt rule? If you bunt yes. foul, it's... Wow. You can strike out on fouls if you bunt. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Oh, he squares around. He tried for the bunt. He gets called for going around. Ball was in the dirt. Higgy to Jay Brew. No, Tyler Wade, I think, was just standing at first. Um, I'll need to see that again because that looked like Tyler Wade. Yeah, so Jansen gets ruled going around. Ball was in the dirt. Higgy picks it up and just loosely tosses it, but I can't tell who he tossed it to, and it looked like Tyler Wade standing at first base. Tell me what this going around rule is. Didn't make contact with the ball. What so the, if the, the catcher? If the catcher drops a strike three, uh, the batter can still attempt to make it to first by running it out. And it, the and the home plate um considered how far Danny Jansen went to count as a swing, and since sure. it didn't make contact, it'd be a swinging strike. Gotcha. All right, Marcus Simeon back up. We have now one out, still one man on. He's already taken ball one, and Nick Nelson delivers outside 97 miles an hour. But He's got some sauce behind it. He's just not placing it very well. He's, he's not, and he's young, and it's early in the season, so the stuff being there is obviously good. Obviously, you know, as a Yankees fan and for the Yankees organization, you want to win every game, but if they don't walk away from this with a win, it's not the world's biggest deal. Strike sure. one there on a uh, swing on uh, what looked like a slider from Nick Nelson at 89 miles an hour. It's okay to lose to some nice Canadians once in a while. There's only lovely, 161 lovely games left to make up that distance. That's true. <laughs> Simeon pops it foul. 2-2 two, two count. Big Geo up next. Kevin, Big Geo. Kevin, a terrible name. Kevin? C A V A N. That's horrible. Yep. Or is it Kavan? That's Kevin. That's his father, Hall of Famer, and a client of uh, our company. Craig Biggio, Hall of Famer for the Houston Astros, as Simeon swings at a low pitch in the dirt to strike out for the second out of the inning. Brings up Biggio. Got a runner in scoring position. Chance to tack on a little bit more here. A one-run lead might be enough with how uh, quiet this game has been for both sides in the batting department, but still not enough to feel comfortable, especially with the Blue Jays' bullpen concerns as Nick Nelson checks the runner at second and then deals for strike one, 90 mile an hour. We'll call that a change up. Biggio's been uh, bad so far this game, as has Simeon. Um, Simeon's strikeout puts him as 0 for 5 on the day with two strikeouts. Biggio so far 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Neither of these guys have done anything. Is Biggio looking desperate? Swings at a ball at least six inches um, high from the strike zone uh, and missing for the second strike of the at-bat, 0 for 2. 0 and 2, I should say. 
and Nick Nelson deals. This time, Biggio makes contact weekly on a ball in the zone, taps it foul on the first base side. Our at-bat continues with an 0-2 count. Man, that dude just fucking looks young. Looks like a high school prospect. And Nelson deals. Wow. Just catches Nelson the outside corner. I guess. One. Yeah, very lucky. <laughs> Kevin Biggio strikes out for the third time today. He is 0 for 5 on the day. Golden Sombrero. Yeah, that is uh, that is no good. Now the Yankees are down a run, but they too will start off with a runner on second to start the their extra innings. Um, the Yankees with Hicks will... leading off. Yes. Why my page is frozen? Hold on. That sounds right. So Hicks will be leading off, which means Judge will be the runner at second unless the Yankees decide to make some type of change there. Um, so it'll be Hicks, Stanton, and Torres as the, the three that will be getting the uh, start in the Yankees lineup. Again, it'll be interesting to see if the Yankees have any intention of changing out Judge at second for someone um, faster that they don't mind getting hurt, like, say, a Tyler Wade type whose existence does not matter. Um, but we'll see. Did we Tyler find out Wade. Tyler Wade was on first? No, and that's why I'm wondering if maybe he'll be the guy who takes over from Judge this inning because why else put him in? Hmm. It just doesn't make any sense otherwise. So, again, we'll we'll see what they did. I, there's going to be a lot of roster finagling here at the end. Or lineup finagling anyway. Anything just to keep saying the word finagling. Man, this game ended up being a long one. It is uh, 448 right now as we're recording this. We are a good three and a half hours into this game. We'll probably be pushing four come the time this game actually concludes. This feels like a Yankees-Red Sox game. All right, here we go in the bottom of the 10th. If you've made it this far, congratulations. I uh, I legitimately don't understand why you're here, but I'm proud of you. Uh, the new pitcher is Julian Merriweather. Uh, so let's get a let's get a player profile on our on our good man, the number 21 prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays, Julian Merriweather. Originally drafted by the Cleveland Indians, coming out of Oklahoma Baptist College. What'd you say, Corwin? Judge starting off on second base for the Yankees. Judge on second. There we go. Um, yeah, I have nothing, nothing for uh, Julian Merriweather as he threw only 13 innings in 2020. Um, he got 15 strikeouts in those innings and a whip of 1.31. Um, 
but 15 innings, it's just not enough to really say anything. So for all intents and purposes, there's nothing here for Julian Merriweather. So we'll be seeing it and finding out on our own. Do you mean all intensive purposes? I do. As Hicks takes strike one down the gut, 97 miles an hour. So for one thing we know for sure off the jump is that the man throws hard, but don't we all? Um, his usage, as claimed by Baseball Savant for a total of 15 fucking innings, is uh, 57% of the time his fastball, 17.5% of the time he throws a change, 15% of the time he throws a slider, 9.4% of the time he throws a curve, Bloody. and 1% of the time he throws a sinker. That's a lot of pitches. As he uh, drops in what looks like a changeup for strike two at the bottom of the zone, Hicks looking uh, rather nonplussed. Corin, why are your hands over your mouth? Hicks looking like he's auditioning for the next uh, dance recital. Wow. Strike three called, bottom of the corner, as uh, Julian Merriweather, an impressive first at bat for the uh, young Blue Jays prospect, striking out Aaron Hicks, one of the more patient and eagle-eyed players in the Yankees lineup on three pitches. He's got a very dainty uh, step in his swing. I'll give that to Hicks. I think you guys are ahead of me again by a little bit. He called him dainty. All right, standing up to I'm bat. I'm stood next to you, and I can barely understand that English. Judge still at second. <laughs> Stanton takes strike one on the uh, outside corner of the plate, 87 miles an hour. Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton over four on the day, two strikeouts. I'm sure he's hoping to get something going here. It would be a great way for him to round out his day or to salvage his day, really, by making some contact here, bringing Judge in. <laughs> Everybody looks back, throws in the zone, 88. So far, Julian Merriweather has thrown five pitches. All have the, all five of them have been in the strike zone. All five of them have been looked at by the batters. As he now catches John Carlos Stanton in an 0-2 count, which he'll certainly be looking for uh, something to swing at here since Merriweather has yet to leave the zone. Wow. And there it is, 99 miles an hour inside. Carlos Stanton swings at it anyway. One, two, three. High and tight. Had no idea where it was going. So Merriweather working on it. With a single to help out your fantasy team, Josh. Huh? Jake Cronenworth with a single to help out your fantasy team. Merriweather currently working on an immaculate inning right now. Three pitches, two strikeouts, no contact anywhere to be found. Gleyber Torres is up to bat. It's the Yankees' last chance to do something Six before pitches, the game ends. Wow. And strike one swinging. Second time he's left the zone. Both times he's left the zone, he has gotten the swing. Neither time any contact has been made. The Yankees look hapless in these at-bats so far against Julian Merriweather. Who's making a very impressive first outing for the Blue Jays? Merriweather getting some serious uh, lateral movement on that ball in these off-speed pitches. Merriweather steps off and motions to the catcher that he wants to go back through the signs. Clearly, some level of disagreement about what to throw here. 
I mean, not that it really seems like it matters much since the Yankees seem like they don't know what to do, but still. I don't want to jinx it, but I am so excited to see a potential immaculate inning. Never mind. Oh, still on. Foul ball, 99 miles an hour. Libertor is very late to it. 0-2. One more pitch. I don't want to see the Yankees lose. I do want to see an immaculate inning. I am torn. I'm just annoyed that my commercial breaks are longer than you guys, and you guys are still like five to ten seconds ahead of me. It's so annoying. Yeah, that's really dumb. Yeah. I'll pause it so I don't spoil it with my reaction. Say when he gets set. And he throws. And the immaculate inning is ruined. Ball in the dirt. No swing. For the first ball, it only took him uh, nine pitches to get there, but he threw his right? first ball. Jeez, he must be. One pitch away yeah. from an immaculate inning and ending the Yan- this game, chalking up the first win of the Blue Jays' season and the first loss of the Yankees. Oliver Torres digging back in. One, two, Madison Bumgarner just walked Jerickson Profar to load the bases. Slam Diego is in full effect. Gleyber Torres hits that ball straight. Oh, so I thought I hit it back. He did not. He hits it deep, deep into the foul territory of Yankee Stadium. Some Victor fans walking away. Caratini up to bat. One home run last year with the Cubs. 661 OPS. Slam Diego. All right, Torres one and two. Merriweather deals. And Torres swings right through it. Three up, three down for Merriweather. Three strikeouts. And the Yankees fall in their opening game, 3-2 to the Toronto Blue Jays. Hate to see it fall that way. But at the end of the day, promising outing for the Yankees. Good outing from Garrett Cole. Good outing from Chad Green. Nick Nelson has some work to get done. Injin Roo looking promising this year. Yeah, it's the first game of the season. And um, the Yankees are a historically slow-starting team, which is weird that that doesn't mean something and means something at the same time. Um, but yeah, baseball is one of those fan bases. It's the one sport where a loss uh, really doesn't uh, – it doesn't carry with you. Because you know, you know you're good for at least 60 a season. This is one of them. Taking it to extra innings. Oh, no. Drops down. Carantini singles. Two runners score. Padres take a 2-1 lead. Profar gets to third. Runners on second and third. One out, bottom of the second. As I'm going to switch over. And that will do it for your Yankees broadcast for the day. We tried something out here. I look forward to us doing this again in the future with uh, with uh, a better concept of how this is going to go. If you stayed with us, thanks. If you didn't, that's fine. You're not hearing this anyway, but I'm still proud of you. Um, this was fun. And uh, I'm just happy baseball is back, man. Uh, Corbin, do you have anything else to say before we kind of get out of here? Um, Four hours in. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. We'll definitely, you know, make some adjustments the next time we uh, 
we do this. I am looking forward to trying something similar again, whether it be calling it fully or uh, doing a little hybrid of sorts. But yeah, baseball season's back. Nothing more we could ask for. I'm just excited to be here. Right on. And on that note, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.